Welcome to episode number seven of Moving With Life. I am Andy Acosta. My friends Eddie Sines and Brian Luevenos will be joining me as well. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for lending us your ears for another two hours this week. I do appreciate it. We appreciate it. Don't forget to leave reviews. Don't forget to subscribe. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Episode number seven has a vast arrangement of topics that come up. Anything from music to economics and politics. We haven't talked politics in a while. I felt it appropriate to just spend a little bit of time. We didn't spend a ton of time, but just enough to where we can't, we ran into some subtopics that uh, we then talked about and discussed to try to understand better. From there, we have free speech. We talk about a little bit about virtue. We talk about value. We talk about greed, the, the dichotomy between value and greed and how you should want, we should want as a society to bring more value to the things that we do rather than expect a payment or rather than do the bare minimum just to receive something. Give more. Give more. Please enjoy this episode of Moving With Life. Shout out to all our Indonesia fans. <laughs> Andy, text me. They haven't come up anymore. No, because they can't understand it. <laughs> Hold on. One thing I'm, I'm going to start with is uh, congratulations, Eddie, on a, a good Friday night. No, thanks, man. It was a, it was a, a success, and uh, I wanted to acknowledge that for the record. It was a lot of fun, and we get to do it more. We get to do it again in like two weeks. We do. We do get dude in two weeks. It looked fun. I saw like a video or two. Rad. Cool deal. I wish I could have been there. So was Josh Turner boring? Uh, okay, from a perspective of a musician trying to do the same thing, I was able to see all the cues. So I have, I have a very neutral view. Everybody said they enjoyed it. I mean, people that I asked or people that I was there with, you know, friends I was there with, they seemed to enjoy it. Uh, Response was good. I feel like his songs were. I I like Josh Turner's songs because they're still like all acoustic instruments. They're all they were all on. There's no tracks at all. Like all the of course all the musicians on that band. You know of course they're pros. But um, overall, because that question actually popped in my head during the show. I'm like, okay, how do I feel about this show? At this point, and I liked it. I don't know. I just feel like there's so there's so much good variations of textures that it for me it was entertaining in just that alone. Um, the guy though he can he can of course has a he has appeal, so that just gets the girls just like you know just dropping their mouths. And he it's so funny because like sex appeal is an obvious thing in the music industry, right? Whether it's a female artist or male artist, like sex appeal is always just. An added bonus to your, um, you know, hopefully laundry list of things that people um, really take to you, right? Besides, you know, your music and your image and all that. So, he, d in my opinion, I could be wrong. Ladies, you could totally correct me. I don't feel like he has a huge sex appeal. Like, it just, I, I don't know. 
Like, I don't necessarily find him, like, an attractive guy. Right. But I will say that, like, his smile is real generous. Okay, you see his, you see him smile. I'm, I'm not, like, this is for real, though. <laughs> you see him smiling on his covers, and he looks exactly like that in person. Not to say he's a bad-looking guy. He's a yeah. Good, he's a good-looking dude. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I totally agree. I totally see the smile thing. He has, like, that kind of southern boy smile, yeah. if that makes sense. It, it, it yeah. appeals, man. That, that That's what gets the girls, man, and that's what got it there at the show. And it, it, it he didn't have to be fancy. Half the time, I mean, I think, okay, let's say maybe a fourth of the songs, he didn't have an instrument. He was just singing. He did. Kind of, I, I know Easton Corbin kind of does the same thing for his life, or at least a couple times that I've seen him. Uh, Easton Corbin kind of does the same thing where he'll put down the guitar and just walk around. And uh, Josh Hearn did the same. But yeah, that honestly, the smile was what got me because like you, you think it was the record covers, the album covers, and that right. like it's instant. It's, it's that he he's, he uses that very well. Does that make him make him seem less genuine, or no? I for me, I think it makes him more. Maybe. I, in the sense that I'm hoping that he's real. You know, we talked about the pop country thing and whatever. Mm-hmm. And in his case, because we know he's a Christian man, you know, he he follows his, he has his virtues that he follows. So with all that, if he's the same all the time, I mean, I didn't get to meet the guy, but I, that, that's what I think. That's fair. I, I can also see where the ladies really croon. When you know he goes, baby, like we're done. <laughs> his low voice, his okay, his low voice obviously is low. Right. His pitch and his tone is ridiculous, dude. It, it's live and, and live too, like I mean, just not so natural. I wonder how much the sound engineer has to do to his voice, though. If anything, right, I'm right. sure he can do it like just as well without a microphone. Mm-hmm. But I, I just wonder if they have to tweak anything. Same. Set of um, I did ask a couple friends that got to meet him, and like, you know his his talking voice. You know, obviously is like really low. You know, on the lower part of his register. And, uh, but the, supposedly, I mean, he sounds, you know, the same. I mean, he sounds, you know, the way you hear him. So I also, I, w- I guess now that we've, I've had just a hint of like the studio experience with you, Eddie, and, uh, going from there and just what you're able to do and, you know, how you can maneuver sounds and how you can play with, you know, you can use a computer to play with time. You can, you can move space and add and take away as you please. Yeah. It's, that's what you can do nowadays. Pretty nuts. Hey, did you want a beer, by the way? Forgot to, like, you said you wanted one when we started. Uh, I'll take, yeah, I'll take one now. Awesome, cool. All right, everybody listening, prepare for beer crackling noises and stuff. Just, there's one, and then here's another. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's good stuff. Anyway, no, yeah, Fiesta Edinburgh was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody that that came out and and caught our early set and caught Lauren and caught uh, the Powell brothers, and it was a lot of fun. It was cool. I had a very interesting experience with it i feel like um definitely a lot of fun always is a lot of fun to just do what i love doing the most or one of the things that i love to do the most anyway but uh like i don't know like we got off stage andy and i felt like you know i felt maybe a good 50 percent about how i'd done you know like personally i know yeah you were singing (laughs) in the parking lot i was like eddie what are you doing we're done with the show for tonight (laughs) yeah i was still going how did you feel after you saw the videos uh, more at ease about it, like, okay, so to give everyone some context, like, I've been living inside my head for, I don't know, like, a little over a year now, so when I moved back home and started doing more of the bar gig stuff, so there's a lot more um, demand on my voice for these, you know, um, three-hour gigs, one-hour, half-hour break, one-hour play again, half-hour break, one-hour, and then we're done, you know, and then repeat that for, like, two, three nights in a row, like, 
by the time Sunday comes around, you're like, Ugh. just gassed. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> done. Um, yeah, the voice needs rest. Three hours is a lot of time to get through. So, um, but anyway, so ever since I've been back home and doing a lot more of those bar gigs, my voice has been, um, you know, like giving me a little more, um, a little more caution, and and uh, it's forcing me to, you know, be more conscious about my vocal health and how I'm treating it, and uh, more than anything, just conscious of my technique and not letting myself like just fall off into whatever the hell I want to do with it. So uh, anyway. I just like started worrying a lot about my health, and so I, um, you know, the more I started to get fatigued with these bar gigs, the more conscious of everything I got, and so I started making very strenuous efforts to um, focus in on technique and focus in on health, and like go so far as to make like dietary changes and all those kinds of things. So I've just been living in my head with um, with all of this for the past like a little over a year. And um, just kind of finally starting to realize the dangers of living with um, those deep thoughts about it, that very focused and narrowed, concentrated thoughts, um, got very dangerous for me. Still kind of is. Still kind of working through it. Mm -hmm. But I definitely realized it uh, more getting off stage from Fiesta Edinburgh and then watching the videos and like, okay, a lot of this is really just in my head and it's not actually in real life. <laughs> right. It's not audible or... Um. Or or that anybody could see, like even you said, you said even like some of your maybe some of the mistakes you thought you had or something, either it's not audible or it didn't happen, and maybe it didn't happen. It was just in your like you're saying in your head that it it just it didn't happen. It, it's non-existent. You know, it's it was a, a false. You know, how would you, how would you say it? False, like not not assumption, but like a false like hearing, like hearing what's not he hearing what's not there. Yeah. I guess I I attribute it to attribute it to just the you know the never ending chase of the perfectionism for me like I just want everything to be flawless and right. and it's funny because then I preach to the band like hey mistakes are what make all this shit really golden <laughs> and then I go on and like I criticize my my own self the hardest for mistakes so well, it's, okay well I'm gonna bring up the dichotomy here so that like a few weeks ago I guess when you said that because you even mentioned it on the podcast where you know mistakes kind of just help. Oh, I think Gonzo was on. It was when Gonzo was on, and you know how you do appreciate mistakes. And then we get to practice. It's like stop. <laughs> Little things happen in practice. It's like okay. And well, for me personally, I I take those things into account just because like okay. However, the dichotomy is that what I told Gonzo because me and Gonzo talked a little bit. I think it was yesterday, before going to foul, was that if you didn't push us that far, our show wouldn't be there. So there's a push and pull. I'm very much in the middle because that's that's where I am. That's where I go. I, I, Gonzo, I know he felt a lot of pressure. I'll, I'll I'll tell you, he felt a lot of pressure leading up to Friday, you know, just on edge as well, and you know, trying to get these things right because we want we want to play well too. You know, you had said you know we put the music first, and we I have to say we really at least we try. You know, if we can put our 100 percent to get everything needed that we know that will allow us to have a professional performance. Um, we let it, you know, we do that. We do those things. So going up to Friday, playing the show, and then when you were able to, you know, take a breather, I know Gonzo also was able to just have a sigh of relief to be like, okay, like, you know, like, good that we did well and good that you were able to hear. You know, w without that video, um, I think your mom took that video? Yeah, she took all the videos. Okay, with, with that, without that audio, video footage, 
you would have still been like on edge and maybe a little worse. And and I have to say, your ease trickled in to Saturday night, and I think that was the probably some of the most fun we've had at a new bar. True story. Yeah, last night was a cool experience, and uh, you said foul. I'm gonna go ahead and say foul furias. But uh, just in case for anyone that doesn't know what foul is, what we call foul furias, foul. It's a little town. Many may not know, may not know this, but it is a population of about 4,800 people. I Googled this last night right before we started. Mm -hmm. So um, we're playing at what seems to be the only bar in town. Yeah. Um, possibly. I don't know. It might be. It might be. Um, but no, it's a cool little place called Pioneer Saloon that used to be the town's theater. And they... Yes. Um, gutted it out and made it's it into awesome. a bar and it's really cool it's super tight on the inside it's pretty cool yeah mm -hmm. and also one right before you move on um i honestly love that like seeing like the name on the marquee like pirate like think of a think of a movie marquee and then like the band like eddie signs on it that's is pretty it i like, think it's pretty cool is it like that edinburgh um oh, that theater the one downtown the yeah, yeah like that Ooh. yeah and this one's on the corner so it's like it, you know it's kind of its own thing yeah. But it, it was cool. And Eddie, actually, for whoever has Eddie on Facebook, they'll be able to see, or Instagram, they'll see his name on the marquee. And I think that's so cool. I, it's the, to me, it's the nostalgia of the theater, yeah. knowing what it was, knowing what it is now. We got to play there. I, I, I like it. You know, and it's, it's a, a tale into what, what a tale into things to come. Can you post it on Twitter for those of us who don't have Instagram or Facebook? <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. How about you just you know, get with it already? <laughs> At I've least been, I say, I feel like you can get Instagram now, Brian. At least Instagram. You can definitely do Instagram. I'm, Come on. I'm sure I have an old profile out there that I'll I'll probably blow the dust off. And yeah, I might. I might do because, it. Because, well, for business purposes, I think I, I also need it. So um, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. I'll <laughs> let you guys know. I'll let Boom. you guys know. Boom, done. So whenever we get that, and I'll I'll put I'll put Brian's uh, Instagram handle on the show notes, as all our Instagrams and uh, Twitters and Facebooks, all the links are on the show notes after every or for every podcast. I have, a, I have a LinkedIn. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I remember at the end of my college career, and people were like sending me emails, like the request thing for LinkedIn, like oh stay stay with stay. Connected with LinkedIn, like just add me on Facebook. I already have a Facebook. Like it's all good. Like probably I probably won't see you ever again. Only through Facebook. Yeah. I I don't know this for sure, but I think a lot of companies are now taking your LinkedIn profile as your resume. Because that, really, that's kind of you it can is. put all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, it's really that's what it cool. asks. Like your information, that's what it is. Like previous work experience and stuff, and then other people can like endorse you also. Oh. So like other coworkers or other professionals that you know, they can go ahead and like say, oh, this guy is interesting. Great. That's a cool thing I didn't know about. I knew about LinkedIn. I knew that people used it. Um, I've known about it for a while. I don't have one. But um, someone, uh, one of my friends uh, still living in Nashville, posted an um, advertisement on LinkedIn um, for a Whataburger. And then the, uh, the location was Nashville, Tennessee, seeking um, area manager or something like that. So everyone in Nashville was kind of freaking out, like, oh, shit, Nashville's about to get Whataburger. Like, <laughs> <laughs> apparently crazy. it's not true, though. Like, the uh, Tennessean contacted Whataburger for, um, you know, for a statement, and they were like, yeah, Nashville's not getting a Whataburger. <laughs> maybe maybe later, but <laughs> no, that's, anytime soon. that's not what that's for. So it's like, damn it. Interesting that people were looking forward to that. Oh, there's a lot of Texas people in Tennessee. That's true. That's true. That's very yeah. true. That's actually how, um, so Dwayne O'Brien is one of the uh, music business professors at 
uh, Belmont University, mm. where I studied. And he is one of the members of Little Texas. Oh, really? Yeah. No kidding. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so the whole reason they call the band Little Texas is because they used to jam at this place. I can't remember if it's like a restaurant, bar, or both, or whatever. But it, it was at this place in Franklin, Tennessee, which is a suburb of Nashville. Mm -hmm. And this place was just called, they'd call it Little Texas. Like, that's where all these, like, people went to go hang out and jam and whatever. So that's that's what they named the band, Little Texas. Real. Yeah. That's, that's a cool little fact there. That's very cool. Yeah. Those are good little gems. Yeah. They do, like, little music business um, seminars or speeches or whatever there on campus, um, you know, like, once or twice a year or whatever. And then Dwayne brings the the band out and they all bring out their guitars and they start doing their thing and it's cool man they sound awesome together it's, it's great That's super cool super underrated band god bless super underrated what else did they have they had um well god bless texas of course and then um there's like a ballad they had that's on the tip of my tongue it's not coming to me though yeah i i think i know what you're talking about but i also don't know what song it is Either way, somehow we got to this end of the conversation, and I was going to say that last night in Five Forty Six, Texas, the Pioneer Saloon was awesome. But <laughs> because um, we're just going back to it for a hot second, um, you know, been living inside my head mm -hmm. with all this, you know, chase of perfection. It's like it's like trying to go up Everest, like just you know, with with no equipment, right? You know, <laughs> it's just trying to go just uh, some shoes. And yeah, but uh, I was expressing all of this to. Uh, to a friend of mine in Nashville, like over text, and I was just telling her, I was like, yeah, like I think I'm just kind of realizing that I've been deep, deep, deep in my head while I've been doing these performances and just caring about it so much and just constantly beating myself up like to a pulp. So um, it's like to the point now where I'm just kind of like, okay, enough's enough, and I really just need to start letting it go. So last night, I just, would it, whenever, if they did, mistakes happen, I just, whatever, just chuck it out the window and keep going. And we had a good moment too on uh, "Crazy Over You" <laughs> oh, in the yeah. solo section, and like now that mistake, I I like that, like having to stop there at that moment where me and Denver come together and then continue the song. Mm -hmm. That was cool. So so forever listening. Gonzo missed the cue. That's all. That's all. He missed the cue, right? Well, in retrospect, that I like that missed cue. Cause it, it changed like the uh, like it, it just changed the song you know it changed it and right. it's able to make it ours in, in that sense you know you mean it's that that little bit um I don't know I dug it and I I moved to I moved to keep it mm -hmm. it's so funny you never really know how um or we never really know how well we're doing and like you know and pretty much until the end of the night I mean it's some crowds are harder to read than others and some are just very obvious and this one was kind of a mix of both. Yeah. Um, I know, like, for here, like, when we're playing Hillbillies, like, okay, you're doing a good job if people are dancing. Easy. Right. Got it. Cool. Um, so this place is very much the opposite. Like, not very many uh, dancing people. Not a huge dancing crowd. Nope. Not even to the DJ. I don't know if you noticed that, but... Like, well, even you told me... Well, I, I was outside with the guys. We were hanging out more, mostly, but you told me when you came out, and, like, they're not, they're not even dancing to the DJ. I'm like, oh, okay, then it's not us. It's not an us thing. It's like, okay, we, if long for me, at that point, it was like, okay, if we just play and do well, then that's all we that's all we can do, anyways. You know, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Maybe it was yeah. a was it did it have to do with like the type of event? Like maybe people were just expecting like a concert, so they just sat or stood there and. Or wait, are you talking about? 
Are you talking about your Friday or Saturday gig? Uh, Saturday. So this is at the bar, oh, not at Chris Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah. That was a good Sorry. point, though, because I hadn't even thought about that until you said it. I mean, I was prepared to say, no, nah, I think it was more of a dance hall thing, but right. but you made me actually think about it. Um, Which sometimes we get to do that. I mean, third yeah. set, we played a few. We played more originals than we do anywhere else here in the Valley as far as, like, third set stuff. Like, usually we still try to mix in, in and out, you know, good covers that people know. Right. But, you know, we got to play Arkansas and... Um, Hon- we we Honky prom- Tonk Promenade, yeah, Promenade and, and some of the other ones yeah, that we stuff. 281. So, and for me, I'm always the pusher for originals. We have to play. We have to play that middle. But I feel like for the other members in the band that you know they they know what covers we should or they have an idea of what they should be. I'm always the one to bring it back. Like, okay, we're fine, but I'm sticking with you know the being the backbone for the for the original songs. You know what's interesting? So I watched one of the videos that I was telling you guys about that I watched of you guys' performance on Friday. I watched it with uh, a friend and he was like, Oh, did they did they play a bunch of original stuff? I was like, I think they played a good mix of both, right? And the the video we were watching, he was like, Oh yeah, it's that song. That's an original. Like he recognized it. I was like, damn, like that's pretty cool, you know? For that is pretty cool. For someone but who isn't I feel like I know you guys' originals because you know I've I've seen you guys perform or whatever, or I'll know kind of like behind the scenes. Yeah, which we'll, ones we'll they have are. a we'll have a listening party or whatever. Right. So I feel like I know them, but for someone who only watches you guys or has only seen you guys perform at your gigs, to recognize like your originals, that's pr- I think that's pretty cool. That's awesome to know. That's dope. Yeah, I had um one girl I guess that was there at Fiesta Edinburgh comment on my Instagram, one of my Instagram posts from Fiesta Edinburgh. Saying, hey, really dug your music. Um, would really like to know the names of the songs y'all were playing on song. And I was like, well, it's like most of them were original. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so wait for the record to come out. Yeah. In well, I, I told her that some were from the new record going to come out, and some you can find on Spotify Already? and iTunes, yeah. etc. Yeah. But um, yeah, because yeah, you can find cool. Arkansas, you can find Two Eighty One, you can find those songs on. Mm-hmm. Available now for purchase <laughs> on all major music outlets. Let's dive into this. This is this is completely changing the topic, but I I've had this written down for a while, a few weeks now. Um, it has to do with NAFTA and Trump. Oh man. And and I I developed some questions based off of this because I believe you guys had sent like pictures or something, and I was like, okay, like I mean, I, everybody we we have our opinions on all this stuff, and we haven't really hit politics in a while, so I feel like we, we can do that today. Oh, because we we're talking about the wall, and that and NAFTA. How if it's a right? You, you, has anyone ever wondered if Mexico could af- actually afford to pay for the wall, especially if they get kicked off NAFTA? That was one of the comments you made, Brian. Yeah, because like, so so, the uh, proposal to build the wall came with you know the U.S. We're not paying for it. Mexico will pay for it. Okay, well, fine. All right, you'll. And this is what I, this is what came to mind when I first heard this proposal. Like, they're not gonna, you know, directly pay for the wall. They're you're not gonna build them, and then they're gonna pay you like, you know, oh, it was fourteen billion dollars. Yeah, here you go. No, it's right. not like that. So there might be a tax. I thought to myself. Well, d- it, at some point, that's what it that's what it was. That's what it came to be. Trump said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna tax them." Well, fine, you're gonna tax them, but then. Where do you, who do you think is paying that tax? Like, that you're gonna you're gonna tax their products. They sell to the U.S. And if you if you tax them, they're just gonna you know bump up their price. So in the end, the consumers 
And since, you know, the U.S. does most of the the importing from Mexico, I think like 80% of their exports come to the U.S. Right. So then in the end, the the U.S. Um, citizens paid for that wall. And then, well, that's that's with NAFTA, like, not intact, but with that tax that added, you know, amendment to NAFTA. Because um, there, there was also talks about kicking Mexico completely off of NAFTA. So if you kick them off, then how are they going to afford to pay for the wall anyway? Like, you're not going to get a dime out of them. They're not going to make any money to to afford to pay for that wall. They're just going to not sell or, you know, there's no way. In my opinion, there, there's just no real way for Mexico to completely directly pay for the wall. If they even wanted to, I mean... I, I don't know where uh, maybe you can jump in on this Brian cuz I'm not very aware of their of Mexico's economy but I've been hearing a lot of people say oh in Mexico's economy they're doing awesome they're doing great and I'm kind of like wait what I that I find that very hard to believe cuz last time I checked it's like 1850 um peso to dollar it's like 21 now oh is it jeez okay then the sign by the mall needs to update their their 18 <laughs> yeah. to 21 but um yeah, so it's like up to 21 now. It used to be 18. Before that, I remember exchanging some pesos at 15. So it's obviously yeah. the value's going down um, compared to our dollar anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, I doubt our dollar's really going up um, at the moment. I could be wrong. But anyway, a lot of people I've been noticing are saying about how like Mexico's economy is doing well. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, look at what their peso is worth and look at how they have no middle class. Yeah, I've I've never really, to be honest, I've never been a believer that they have no middle class. Um, I I think that it might be smaller, but I don't think that it's, n- you know, it doesn't exist. Non-existent, right? That's right. Um, I to be honest, I don't know exactly how their economy is doing. I'm, you know, judging or comparing the peso the peso to the U.S. dollar is only a comparison between the two economies. So I don't know, but then again, you know, if 80% of their exports are coming to the U.S., then that might be a very good um, uh, indicator of, you know, how well their economy is doing if their currency is depreciating, you know, drastically against the U.S. dollar. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't say that their economy is doing great because, you know, the signs are, are there. And it's going to do even worse if they get kicked out of NAFTA since, you know, their, all of their exports, or most of them, are coming here. But, you know, it's just, uh, I, I don't think it looks good. if It, it, won't, it won't go well if, if Mexico gets kicked off NAFTA. And I think that would only bring a lot of other, um, not like super big issues, but it'll raise a lot of prices to products that come to the U.S., because I think we do depend um, a little more than we think on on other countries. Bring up that example you told me about earlier with the. So yeah, there's um, there was a list that I read about like top ten products that come from the U- from Mexico or or because they some of these aren't even like totally coming from Mexico, but we do outsource I guess a portion of the process. One of them being denim. Denim, the cotton comes from here, from the U.S., but then it is sent to Mexico for the most labor-intensive part of the process. So it gets, like, pulled apart and sewn together and everything, and then it's brought back to the U.S. without a tax. So if NAFTA gets altered or messed with, or if Mexico gets kicked off NAFTA, either the cotton doesn't go to Mexico for that labor-intensive process and it stays here, 
and then denim, you know, skyrockets, the price of denim skyrockets, or we have to, you know, outsource it to a different country who may not be experiencing that because Mexico has been doing this for for us for like, you know, so long. Another another um, product would be like, I think some automobile components specifically to like the Ford Fusion, the Chevy Silverado. There was another, you know, American vehicle in there. Um, a lot of the top performing tires for vehicles come from Mexico, like some toothpastes, I think like Colgate. And um, there's another one that I can't remember right now. But there's a lot of these products that we don't really think about that, you know, have a uh, have a like a, a portion of their process or entirely come from Mexico. So if that if Mexico's out of the picture, that's only going to cost the U.S. more. So I don't know. I really can't say like how how much um, these prices would go up, but they will be affected regardless. Where did the notion even come up um, about kicking Mexico out of NAFTA? I think um, because Trump said that we're like at a $70 billion deficit, trade deficit with them. Basically, we're losing money um, by trading with, with Mexico, but I, I really, I don't know where that number came from or, or what, and I I can't say that, you know, that it's true or that it's false. I, I haven't researched that, but um, I feel like just naturally by outsourcing things, there's the, the the labor is a lot cheaper in Mexico. Like you can't say that it's costing us more to outsource some things to to Mexico, especially the way that, you know comparing the peso to the to the U.S. dollar right now. Like you could, no, I don't know. You gave an example. Um, that you got from Instagram. It says, Jose sells an avocado to John for five bucks. Donald imposes a 20% border tax so that Mexico, quote-unquote, pays for the wall. Now, Jose sells the avocado to John for five bucks plus 20%, and that equals $6. The U.S. collects its $1 from Jose. Jose still made $5. Who paid for the wall? Now, what I have from there is based on that example do you think, I mean, would there be a full collapse between the U.S. And, and Mexico? Like, what, 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 what is a possible foreshadowing if that happens? If, you know, if the, if it goes through with a whole NAFTA thing or. Well, here, here's the thing. So if let's use the avocado as the example, right? We already have that on the, on the table. So if, if the U.S. taxes uh, the import of avocados and the U.S. is willing to pay for that that added tax that, you know, Mexico will transfer back to the U.S. citizen, then, you know, the U.S. paid for the wall. If if we're unwilling to pay that price, um, I, I don't think that Mexico will import as much anyway. So we don't we don't get the product or we get it at a very high price. Um I don't I don't know about a fallout. Yeah, I didn't know how else to say it. I just felt like cuz especially like this this was a few weeks ago. So, it's not it I mean, it's been just kind of sitting there in my head. Mm-hmm. But that's the only way I could think about like what like what would happen with the relation even like just the relationship between the US and Mexico given the possibility of or given the the yeah, the probability that, you know, this wall goes up, doesn't go up or NAFTA happens, doesn't happen, you know, given those Two right. vari- main variables, you know, how would the relationship, maybe even politically, be affected? Yeah, no, it just it just looks bad to begin with, you know. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. Right. So it's just so 
ugly. Yeah, I mean, it's, just yeah, not, it's, not it's good. like you're it's, just, you know, this this agreement has been in place since I think 1994. So, all of a sudden, you want to kind of kick Mexico out of it or impose a tax on Mexico, then I don't I don't want to say that this will affect Mexican politics, but that Mexican pride it might kick in and be like, well, you know what, we'll find somewhere else to you know. To, to ship our stuff to, and then the U.S. is without those products that, yeah. for, you know, since 1994, we've kind of relied on. Yeah. And now more so than ever, I mean, Eddie, do you wear denim? All the time. <laughs> yeah, so, like, That's what I told Brian, too. I'm like, wait a minute, denim? Like, that's the first thing that struck a chord with me, because I was like, Eddie wears denim, like, on the daily. So, I know it, regardless of what happens, just given the variables, like, there's a person that I know, so... That times, you know, a million people, you know, two million people, whatever, don't matter. Yeah, but, uh, and, and you, you know. can't necessarily say that you can outsource some of these things to, like, let's say, for example, China. Because China's one of the biggest, um, how can I say this? They're, they're one of the biggest, um, like, providers of, of cheap labor. So, I think one of, well, some automotive company recently moved their production line from china to tijuana mexico because it was cheaper so if you get rid of that like it's only going to cost the u.s more like i hate to say it but it's cheaper to outsource things to mexico and it's a lot closer too so so bringing the products over from mexico is a lot less costly um and if you add taxes and stuff like that you, you might not get the products or you're gonna have to outsource elsewhere for a higher price and that higher price is obviously going to transfer down to the consumer the more you're explaining all this, the more I feel like, not that I didn't feel like this before, um, but I feel like this more so now, we've all been duped by this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, like... By thing, I mean specifically the um, the tax. Yeah. For the wall. Yep. And then <laughs> it turns out the wall might not even be built in, you know, the next four years. And it's going to cost like $14 billion. And then it might not even end up being a full wall. And then it's not even going to work on top of that. Yeah, like it's so many, there's so many things that I guess weren't really, you know, the thought wasn't put into it. There was just like, let's build a wall. And everybody was, not everybody, but you know. Right. There was a, there was a for it, you know, people yes. for it. What, what I'm going to make comment is, but there's already a fence there. So I don't, I don't understand for, a wall or not a wall. Okay, for the people who are against the wall, there's a freaking fence there. You have to cross a bridge, go through people who says, yes, you can go, and you have to get a passport to come back. You have to have a passport to come back if you're a U.S. citizen, right? So I don't understand the controversy other than what the media is making it out to be. I'm not saying it's not a big deal, but there's already a fence. There's already a river there. Some pe- some parts of the United States already have the wall up. Arizona does. Mm-hmm. You know, so what I, I'm trying to understand it, period. I'm trying to understand just that barrier that has already been there for forever that I, that I know of, at least for my lifetime. It's, right. been, it's already been there. There's a fence there. There's what we call, you know, the Border Patrol. That's what we have that, can, that helps mitigate, you know, of course, illegals coming in and out, whatever. But there's already a wall there. So for the people pushing for the wall, I don't understand. For the people against the wall, I don't understand either. Yeah, that's fair. I haven't thought about that. I haven't thought about it both ways. Um, just because, yeah, that's a neat reminder for everyone that there is a fence there. It's not all the way across the border. There are some sections that do not have a fence, but for the most part, I feel like it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if I'm not mistaken, I think it's like 60% of the border has the wall already or something like that. I could be totally wrong. Right. There's, at least, some type, there's at least some type of fence there. Right. Yeah. And besides the natural barrier of a river. Of a river, right. Which I remember, oh, I forgot what, I don't know, if it's Anzalduas Park or one of those that it's, all, it's along the river. That pour, think towards it. the mission, towards the mission, and like, the, at, like you're literally at the river, yep. and like the people make, like they're there in their jet skis and like hanging out there, and the other side, like just having a good time, I mean, whatever. But and th- I mean, this was years ago when I went, but I still remember it because I didn't know that was a river. My mom was like, "Oh, that's like the river and whatnot." I'm like, "Oh, cool. I mean, interesting." And I'm like, "Why are they like in jet skis like in the rivers? Like, cause they don't. Have, I mean, the rules are different. You know, it's, yeah. that's just the way it is." And I didn't understand. I was a kid. I mean, maybe ten years old, eleven years old. I mean, I was a kid. But even now, that it's just that you know, we it's like we cut that river in half yet again, and you know, there's there's a. I think I think maybe where, maybe because we we live on the border, we're kind of more familiar with the situation, and I don't know for sure, but maybe the places where the idea of a wall was more popular is places that don't know what's out here, you know. Yeah. Um. What I want to kind of. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to kind of transition well, after this. I was just going to say, I don't think people realize that people live right where they want to build um, the fence or the wall yes. or whatever. People live along those spots. People have their ranches, their yeah. farms, their livelihoods on that property. This wall is not going smack dab in the middle of the river. It's not going on the Mexican side. It's coming on our side. And it's not coming right where the river ends. It's coming like a good, like... Mm-hmm. 100 200 yards or more right. um within our confine you know mm. so, i didn't know that but yeah. interesting i mean inter- interesting point still what i'm gonna kind of tailgate or tailgate okay uh tell this into what brian was saying as far as um the people who aren't familiar because they're not from here or they're not next to the border in some way from mexico is how all the protests and whatnot go on in major cities and that's another thing that I personally have a hard time just seeing happen because they're like, oh, let's let's just say, therefore, I'm trying to think of an example, something, quote unquote, something for the poor. Like they're trying to help the people that are less fortunate, but yet they live, let's say, in Austin. It's like you live in a city with a million people. And while I get why you should fight, like, okay, maybe even like the street port protests when they were walking in Austin, downtown, off, off Congress and whatnot. Oh, for this and whatever, whatever rights they claim or want or whatever. Yeah. But my point is that you're doing that there. I I know even developing this podcast, like, we're here. Like, even if it's for a split second for new people, like, Edinburgh is on the map for a little bit. For a little bit, at least. Because when we're talking, we're talking about stuff that's going on here along along the border, stuff that's happening here in the valley. And that's, I know for sure, at least a piece of my vision in general of what I'd like to do. Um, and a lot of people, like, leave home and, oh, where I'm from, well, maybe you're from the valley, but you're not here. You're not living here either. And I, I there's just some protests that go on that I see it. And while I'm very much in the middle between liberals and conservatives, there are some times where I see liberals or conservatives in a very much, very highly populated place fighting for something that is not in that city or whatever. They're trying to bring, maybe they want to bring awareness to it. I get, I guess, I guess I get that. I see it. I don't understand it, but I see that. And it, it makes no sense to me because like, well, what, what can you do in that town to actually help? 
what value can you bring to that location that you're actually trying to fight for? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I guess in in the sense of like protests and stuff like that, um, that's where they happen. They happen in the bigger cities because there's more people. You know, th- that's where that's where it'll get more attention. Your yeah. cause. So I guess if you feel strongly about something, you're gonna join the cause. And if it, I don't know, depends on the you know on the, what the protest is about. Um, yeah, right, it right. may or may not be something that's happening in your little hometown that you came from, but you know now you're you're no longer there. But um, I guess you know stuff like that happens in big cities because of the population because it can yeah. happen. Try to try to gather the same amount of people in Little Edinburgh for a cause that may not even be, you know. Well, right, but I'm talking. Well, I get that. I get the number thing, but I'm saying I'm trying to think of an example. I can't. Cause I've I've had examples before where they're complaining about something happening somewhere else, but yet they're in this place. You know, during this time. I think most of the time that happens because of, you know, sympathy or doing the right thing, you know? Right, right, They feel that somebody else's rights are being violated elsewhere. So, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to stand up and, you know, voice my opinion for those people. Right, right, okay. Okay, yeah. I just just need, I guess I just need to hear it out loud because... Mm -hmm. I've been even... Go ahead, go ahead. No, because I was going to say, like, I guess one one example it would be is, like, um, protests, and I don't know if this is a real thing, but... Just one example that I'm going to use because, you know, we were recently talking about Mexico and whatnot. But protest against, like, deportations of illegal immigrants. And there's a, I, I doubt that everybody in a protest about the topic is an illegal immigrant. There are right. people who, U.S. citizens or, or who came here legally that are, you know, against all these deportation stuff. Well, you know, where's your skin in the game? Like, why are you protesting against these things when you're not you know in in danger you're not at risk yeah you're not in dire so, like, need of something yeah like so that. something like that i guess is they just feel for those who are involved or who are at maybe risk affected of, yeah yes. affected by this possibly. so i mean that's that's as far as i can yeah same yeah yeah I, I said i i have I, i'm trying to think of an example because i have one in my head but it, it's not coming to me right now but i just i don't know i just i'm just about i guess this is also a me thing where i'm i'm like if I'm here, I wanna. I mean, this, and this is something that I, I just developed this week. Bring bringing value to, what can you bring value to whatever organization or thing you are a part of? Um, I've been. I actually just read this book called The Go Giver, a little story about a powerful business idea by Bob Berg and John David Mann, and basically they develop and they use these uh, for business consulting. So they develop these five laws that if you use these you will likely find success in a way bigger way than just having a ton of money in your bank account and so one of the main ones is value and that's the one that i've been working on so thinking about things thinking about it in that sense it i think about how can i bring value to things i'm doing now another thing is also i don't i don't watch much news and i've been watching less and less that's why maybe i've lost examples i've been very detached from or not even detached just not turning on my tv i mean i've 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 allowed very little time to have a television on maybe monday nights and that's about it you know monday night for an hour or two and the rest of the week i'm doing something i'm at work or i'm working on the podcast or um working you know eddie's we have we have rehearsals on wednesday so i'm with eddie on wednesdays uh talking with the guys or me and brian are talking now i mean some new business ideas that he's developing so, I guess with that in mind, I that's what I think about. I'm not so worried about 
everything else. Now, I'm not saying I don't care about other people because that's exactly what I'm trying to do. But that's also why the jobs I am involved in, the work I'm involved in, involve many people. It's not just me. I'm not an owner of a business that I want to be successful. No, I work at a gym. I work with five, four other guys that make music that hopefully makes a good impact, you know, helps somebody have a good night where maybe they had a tough day. You know, they can have a good night. You know, hopefully we, we, if we do our job and we entertain. And, and also Eddie's stories, he, I mean, I feel his stories are well said through song and he's developed his craft as well. So when I'm thinking about value and what I want to use my time for, that's what I think about. You know, how can I help the people I'm with every single day? Um, and if that can hopefully trickle out, then that, that, that's just a positive. That's just a positive uh, outcome of me working with individuals every single day. Well, it goes back to the, um, to the JFK speech, right? The ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Mm-hmm. I mean, loosely quoted. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I don't it's know very, it's very close. It's very close. It's very close. Go ahead. Keep going. No, I mean, this oh. is pretty much the same, yeah. um, the same principle, same concept. And I think that's kind of, um, I don't want to say completely forgotten about, but it definitely seems like there's a lot more, um, I'm going to use this word very cautiously, whining going on um, than there is, you know, people actually trying to make a solution. Right. Um, one of the biggest things that I learned in college from, uh, from being in a fraternity was don't complain about a problem unless you have a solution for it. Mm-hmm. So like just don't like don't bring it up unless you've got a suggestion to make it better. And I I know I t- I try to tell that into anybody like oh I want to lose this much weight okay what, what let's let's start then like right. if you if you're really serious about this then let let's do that you know if if Eddie brings up something okay that let's let's find it this past Friday you know there happened to be only one amp so luckily we brought our amps we have extra amps so there's a solution I I personally did a bad job of getting very emotional for about five minutes. Well, on my way to, on my walk to get my amp, but once I got back, I was good to go, you know, ready to work. Um, so it happens, but if you, but at least get to get get to thinking about a solution rather than going on and on about what is wrong with the situation. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Let me read this little piece real quick. So this book, The Go Giver, basically this guy, his name's Joe. He is characterized to be a go-getter he works for this firm and he does accounts with you know multi-million dollar businesses and he's after he's has a deadline for this particular quarter in the sales uh time i guess time frame that they have and he's not able to get it so he thinks that by meeting this one guy who's who's a i guess in this particular story he's well-known as a businessman. He's well-known around the world as a businessman. So from there, he goes to meet him. So what he wants to do is meet this guy so that he has what's called in the book clout and leverage. He wants to have substantial, uh, what would I call it? He wants to be able to use this guy's name to get an account. To bring in that account right, that he needs. Right, to bring in that account that he right, to meet his quota. He ends up meeting this guy that then tells in to turning basically Joe's life around, I would, have to, I would have to say, by the end of the book. Now, the condition that this gentleman, his name's Mr. Pinder, the condition he gives him is that, okay, for every day that I teach you this law, or each law, it's one law per day, it's five days, one law per day. So I teach you law number one, you must use it that same day. So, he, so 
It takes Joe a little bit, but he ends up agreeing. So then Monday they meet for lunch, and then they the first law happens to be the law of value. And in summation, this is just summation, it is your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. So I guess with that festering in my mind, leads back to all the, like, as far as what we've been talking about with the protests and doing things in certain areas where for me, I feel like I'm way more valuable helping everybody every day. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Still know where to go off of that one. Sorry. Yeah, yeah no, I, like, I mean, it's pretty perfectly said as it is. Mm-hmm. But I guess compared to what? or Well, from being a go-getter, I, and I'm not going to go too, too deep into the book yet because there's, I mean, there's five laws, and the only one I, I did want to cover was this first one, the law of value, mm-hmm. because... I know I've used it from Thursday to today, but if when you keep that in your mind, it's like, okay, what can I do? What can I do to make, okay, what can I do to make this show better? Okay, what can I do to make um, the business run better? What can I do to, what can I help, for in my case, with working at a gym, what can I do to then help this person better themselves. What can I do to help them better? Right. Now we've talked, we've gone to, we've delved in, we've dove into, sorry, we've dove into. At some point, you know, they just don't want to do it, or you know, when Eddie's, if Eddie's coaching a student, and you know, we get to a certain point, we've already come to that agreement. But this is diving deeper into the value. What knowledge do I have? Do I do have? No. What knowledge do I really have that this person can benefit from? You know, what What extra step can I do? If it means doing a little more research, okay. Then, you know, we can go into that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I guess that was, just that, that's, that's all I wanted to bring was just that. Like, what more can you give? And going back to JFK quote, paraphrasing is, you know, what can you do for your country, not your country do for you? You know, think about that every day. If you can, I mean, right now, like I said, that's what I'm working on. Um, really, we can segue into anything. I mean, I don't know if you guys have anything, but that is very to me. It's very. It's just very important. I, I wanted to make sure to to bring that up this week because, like I said, this book it's not that long. It's for me, it's an easy read. I read it in twenty four hours. It's a very short book, giving these five laws uh, that they give just at least some. Ba- they gave some context of how this person used it in the in the story, and for me, it made, made a lot of sense. For me, the value is like, okay, am I gonna be Am I going to take the extra step to help that person better themselves or not? Or am I just going to do the bare minimum minimum requirement to, to just get the job done? Right. And for me, I carried that into Friday. And when we played the gig, um, I just had that in my mindset. It was, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to play the show. Okay. How, you know, that goes back to efficiency. That goes back to quality. How well am I going to play that? You know, um, making sure I don't forget any cues, making sure I don't, you know, miss it. Now, I did have a couple of mistakes, and they, and one of them for sure was audi- very audible for me, and it, it it annoyed me. But it's like, okay, it just helped me come back to ground, saying, "Hey, get in your head, but be you know, make sure you're performing also to your best, you know, po- your your best. Uh, what's the word? Ability. Yeah, best to your abilities. You know, don't get too far into your head. And and it, now Eddie brought up that example of how what he's been dealing with over a period of time. It's okay that, you know, even one time, oh, I, I told you last week, you, I think this happened also, and, and I said, well, maybe to get out of your, out of your head for this moment, be, be someone else. You know, to get out of your head, you know, don't be Eddie Sanchez, just for a little bit. And, 
and I feel like it 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 at least helped just mitigate at least just help you just relax a little bit more you know like because uh, I know sometimes like when I was young I, I feel like when I, when I was young I feel like when I was younger and you know you, you 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 look up to some of these superheroes or you look up to certain things and then you imitate them Batman Superman you want to be these heroes you want to go on these adventures and so when Eddie was like I was like hey man like what's going on you know he just he was because he may probably because he was he was inside his head he was just feeling like, man, he's too far into his head. Cause I thought maybe, I even thought like maybe like maybe he needed to meditate. Maybe he maybe he needed to get into his head. I know he was too far into his head. So I'm like, well, let's get out of it. Let's let's jump out for a second. Let's jump out for a night, and you know move forward from there. And I feel I or I hope that it helped at least him just alleviate himself from his own you know mental torture. Yeah, it definitely did. I really needed to get out of my head, <laughs> really bad. Been living in there for way too long, and. Um, Actually ditched the concert pretty early. Like I didn't even catch Josh Turner. Um, definitely caught the Powell Brothers, and um, and stuck around for that. Hung out, and then left um, shortly after they got off stage because I was just like, I've got to go write something right now, like at this moment. Yeah. And well, the inspiration that was hitting me at that moment was just how basically no one take my fucking song idea, okay? Because I already <laughs> wrote this thing and I'll need to do like a poor man's copyright on it real quick, but don't be a dick. Don't steal this. Yeah. But um, it may not even be worth stealing because it, it really just ended up being a personal song for me. I don't think I'd maybe ever want to do anything with it. But um, the the whole hook is, is, you know, basically, you know, between heaven and hell, if they even exist, it doesn't really matter because there's no hell worse than the one that I own inside. So it's, it's just... You know, like the 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 hell that I created for myself inside is by far like the worst thing that I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's you know the um, the um, all the doubt and all the um, you know just just uh, you know, your spirit is just like shackled with doubt. You know, it's just, you can't get anything done. Very well said. You better yeah, we're gonna work up that song, <laughs> but. Interesting enough, with being stuck in your own hell, I think that happens a lot. People, and I, I don't want to use vic- the word victim too much. I feel like we use it enough, but that's what we're talking about. You know, being crippled to your own thoughts, being crippled to your own, being crippled to yourself by not doing. You know, not 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 moving in a direction. You know. I, I think me and Brian talked me and I talked about that a little bit earlier today. Just just being you know and we, and even the topic of depression came up a little bit. Um. So. Your personal hell, it's, it's bad, and I feel like if I feel like if you, if you if you can catch yourself soon enough, and. Come to a realization of what it is. Hopefully, a friend's there to pull you out. You know, um. I know I'm very conscious about people's uh, facial expressions because their their expressions say a lot, even if they're not speaking. Um, I've picked on that, that. I picked up on that. Also working through the gym because like some people like they want to kind of tough it out their first few round or their first few times going around the circuit, and I'm like, I, I, are you okay? And they kind of just give me a blank face. I'm like, okay, you know, take a take a break. It's cool. You know, I would rather you come. I'd rather us work through this over the course of a month. Then you burn out today, not come back tomorrow, and then just like get discouraged. And that's another thing that I try not. I don't. I don't want to do either. I try to encourage people. Like, hey, if you can't finish today, 
stop, take it easy, take a breather, have a, and I always reiterate, have a good dinner, have a good healthy dinner, come back tomorrow and we'll try to do some more. Will, even if we increase it by another three minutes, let's do that. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else for that, but I know that's what I try to do um, when I hear people. Because I, I have my own, and I, I was, me and Brian were talking about that earlier today when we were out uh, hanging out. But um, it's, it's, a, it's, just, it's a scary, to me it's a scary just place to be in. I think it's scarier when people don't realize that they've created this own hell for themselves yeah. um, in their mind, and they try to blame it on someone else. Like, um, and, and I usually catch myself making excuses and I'll, you know, snap at my own self and not, and, you know, take more control and not let myself make excuses. Like, oh, mm. like I couldn't hear myself on the monitor or this happened or this person <laughs> was shitty to me or, or whatever, you know, whatever the thing may be. But at the end of the day, you can't just go about making excuses for everything and you can't blame the world for what you're ultimately just doing to yourself. Yeah. So, and it has to come from within. You have to realize it. And then uh, make that change. Because, I mean, um, I was listening to the Lance Armstrong podcast on the way over here. I was in Harlingen earlier this afternoon and uh, coming back over here to Edinburgh. So on that uh, little 45-minute drive or so, I was uh, listening to the Lance Armstrong podcast, and he had um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson on. Oh, really? Right? Yeah, super oh, wow. cool episode. Wow. Uh, Neil's, all, uh, Neil's always badass to, to listen to on anything, right, um, from yes. Cosmos to podcast. But mm-hmm. anyway... Yes. I feel like we like, that, I feel like we've talked about this before but like just being aware of and I'll, I'll say I'll say it because we're we were talking about like mental health well mm. me and you were talking about right, mental health right we were talking health, about that right? today yes sir and um along with that like it's it's important to be aware of of you know what you're feeling and what's causing it and 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 you know am I depressed and why am I depressed what should I change you know like stuff like that so so it's important to know why you're feeling the way you're feeling, like to n- know yourself. Like it sounds kind of cliche, but, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be aware of, of what's going on with yourself and why and, you know, how to change things, what to change. Right. And also, I, I because I bring this up to my cousin a lot because he's 15. He's going through his changes. He's, you know, he wants that peer approval, not his approval of his family anymore. Or at least for now, you know, he'll, he'll come to realize when he turns 21, 22, like, oh, uh, I'm coming back, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, friends, who are you with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Um, I, I okay, tying my cousin is that. Like right now, he's he's gaining whatever group of people are available to him because he's in the school system at this, you know, this school district. So maybe his <laughs> options are limited. You know, that that it is what it is. But I tell him be careful with who you're with because I'm like. If whoever you hang out after high school, it, those are the ones that you know more than likely will stick around. Like you know, me, Eddie, and Brian here in this room, where we've known each other for a long time, and now I mean we've gra- we graduated high school seven years ago. I mean that that's a good amount of time ago, you know. Yeah. But I feel, and this is something I told Brian in general, like, but we're moving somewhere. Like we're moving on a daily basis. At least I know I'm trying to move. And I, I, from my perspective, watching you guys, you guys are also trying to move. Eddie went home after the show and wrote a damn song. He wrote a song. He could have gone home. He could have gone, he could have gone to Hillbillies and got drunk. He and could've... I got invited to go to Hillbillies. <laughs> and yeah, there you go. And you know, he, he could have gone. He right. didn't. He went home to write a song because that's what he does. Sunday, Brian, what were you doing? You were looking up, you were coming up with business ideas. You were brainstorming 
and finding oh you came up with us with with this idea and boom yeah. you you brainstorm until I picked you up and we came over here or whatever. So be aware of the people that you're with on a daily basis. Now if you have your acquaintances that you run into, hey how's it going? You know nice, nice to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. Cool. But I feel if if you're and it, it sucks to say if you're with the wrong people, you're probably gonna be in the wrong mindset. But that's what it is. And I feel like I know a little bit of everybody, but the people who I see maybe are having trouble with themselves. I do try to help. I, I try to be that, just that little bit of positivity in that day or for that moment. Well, I'm, I was going to say, like, I'm getting, like, super riled up over here. You're riling me up. But, uh, like, that's why I'm super freaking grateful for um, the way my college experience panned out because I had a very close group of friends, freshman and early on sophomore year, that just kind of dissipated and kind of went away, and, and I've said this, like, in previous episodes we've done um, of the podcast, but if I would have kept running with that crew, like, oh, like, I don't I don't think I would have liked who I'd be right. or, or well, who I would have become. And you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't be here, you wouldn't have done the record, maybe you wouldn't be in this situation that you are in today. Yeah, who knows? Who really knows? And again, not saying that those people were bad people, they were just very different in the way that, that they think about things and the way they interpret um, others and the world and things surrounding them. And, well, when I joined the fraternity and my, um, you know, my, my friend group kind of started switching around, um, it really just is for the better, man. I mean, I think. Well, it's not, it's not obvious until you're able to look back at it. Yeah. But Hindsight. Yeah, yeah. yeah but but that's, what, I mean, that's what it is. But it's, it starts then. It starts with being just – but also, I guess, okay, tailing in maybe something else, but – you have to then experience that because if, if you wouldn't have joined the frat, you wouldn't have known. Brian, if you wouldn't have joined the frat, you wouldn't have known. I didn't join a frat. I was working, I was gigging, and I was going to school. I did that for three three years straight, just work, just doing those things. So I was busy. And when I came home to visit, I came home to visit, and I didn't do anything, you know, I'd, whatever. You just don't like to party. <laughs> <laughs> On the contrary, actually. <laughs> we party pretty hard back, I mean... You know, it's crazy to say back in the college days. <laughs> oh, like, I feel like I'm getting there. Like, I mean, I'm going to throw this out there, but I'm, I'm going to be 26 this year. And that's something I brought up to Brian this morning. Like, because I forgot, we were talking about what, just things. We were talking about things. And and it's like, you know, I'm going to be 26 this year. It's like, okay. Like, but my, my, what let what lets me be okay with myself is that I know I'm moving. I know I'm working at, being a better person to then help others. And what I, and going back real quick to this go-giver, to the book, The Go-Giver, is that I want to make less money in connection with how much I give to other people. That's what I've gotten out of this book, and that's what I'm reiterating from, from this, va- where it talks about value. And um, I'm going to have Eddie read it soon, too, but when, whenever Brian finishes. I, have, I read it. I'm making Brian read it. Eddie, you're next. You're on the. You're on the. You're up next to bat. But um, we already got too much on my on my chopping block. I like checked out um, two new <laughs> books from the library yeah. two weeks ago. I've gotten like a fourth of the way through with one of them, and then just haven't mm-hmm. you know had time to read, and I had to go and recheck them out today. So. <laughs> That's right. I remember you mentioned that. Well, okay. Well, okay. Well, let's say you don't read it. Well, I'll, I have read it, so we will talk about it periodically and coming through this podcast too. Um, it, it's just a good, to me, it's just a good book. That's why I finished in 24 hours. It's not a lengthy book. It's only 127 pages. I'll read it. It's not a big deal. It's good. The, the mean, the don't. 
<laughs> What's well, better than trying to read like the Cormac McCarthy novel I'm reading right now? <laughs> very, very dense. Dense. Yeah, oh yeah. my god! Every page is just like life blown, man. <laughs> oh god, that guy just blows my mind. That's why he's my favorite. Nah, this book is super easy to get through, and like you, you get it. And like I was telling, I was telling Andy, it's like, man, there's some things that are kind of like cliche in here. But you've got nothing to lose with like you're reading it and and maybe implementing some of these mm-hmm. things in your own life. Like right, like Brian will get to a point where because he'll he'll understand this and he'll he understands it now. It's just it's it's good for me. It's 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 developing a new perspective, a fresh perspective on the same things that we. T- how when do we not talk about value? When does value not matter? And being a good person, and giving more to whatever you're a part of. Right, just giving it your all, basically. Give it, yeah, and if it's not a hell yeah, don't do it. And then one thing that Eddie said on a previous podcast was, you know, if you're not gonna do it right, don't do it at all. Where does value not in that in those in those right. things? Where is it not connected? It is connected. So that's why when I I guess when I I just hightailed it through, and I I got I grasped it because I was like, oh, we've already talked about this. Oh, we already got this. It's, this is just a different light to the same things mm-hmm. that we've always talked about. So I'm not saying I don't want to make money. We obviously need money. We've already talked about this. But I am willing to give more than I earn because I know that if I can help the next per- the person next to me do better and that person then helps and it comes full circle, then I mean, what, you're not losing anything anyways. Um, I mean, we'll just mind- minimally talk about like the fact that I substitute, I work at a gym and I play music cool but in all those things you know while helping people but i mean the the money the monetary part of what i do in these jobs is not important to me to when i get to help somebody fix their diet or when they come to me hey can you give me an extra workout because you know i want to work out you know this part of my you know my body my lower body upper body whatever or when i'm playing music and and I, i was thinking about this more so last night, because I, I, it honestly hadn't crossed my mind in a while. And the last time I remember it crossing my mind was, it was a FAR events gig a while back. Like, they we're talking over a year ago. But after Josh Turner and off, after 540 last night, um, I felt like I was in a utopian state of mind. And with that, whenever I play music, I remember I give a piece. I feel like, this is getting kind of deep, but I feel like, Every time I step on stage, I give a piece of my soul because I know I leave everything I, I possibly can as an individual to the bigger machine, which is a band. I gave my 100% to ensure that even, okay, I, while I try not to make mistakes, even with the mistakes, my, my, my emotion, my feelings will not falter and I'll, I will continue to play the show to the best of my ability. That's, that's, how I tie in value and money and everybody getting so tied up in, you know, owning a $100,000 car or whatever. And that's also a point because even that, even that came out having owning cars and like I have my yeah. Mazda 6. It's an 09 Mazda 6 that I got uh, my, for my senior year of high school. And that's my, that's my car. That, that vehicle takes me everywhere. It fits all my gear. Even my big amp. I have a twin reverb for the musicians that listen to this. I have my twin reverb. It goes in the Mazda 6. I have my pedal board. I have my guitar. You know, everything. Hey, my friends want to go. For, we want to go to a show. Or let's say we're going to go watch a show at, somewhere. 
I fit four other people. It fits four people. It's all good. You know, like that's that's what I tie in value and money to. I was just gonna say, as far as fitting people into a tiny vehicle. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! It just brought back so many memories. It's totally getting off your topic, but um, we can move. We can move. Go ahead. All right, cool. Now, um, we like go and we go to a party and get sloshed and whatever, you know, and have a lot of fun. And then, like, eight of us would fit in my friend's like tiny Toyota Celica or whatever the hell it is, <laughs> the one that doesn't even have like a back seat. And wow. <laughs> eight people fitting into this car, like riding back to the university. Just yeah. Oh my god. Good times. Good times. Those are the kind of trips that you really get to like bond with people. Uh, too much. You get to bond too much. Oh man. Speaking of, um, I was telling a friend this earlier. I don't know how I didn't. Um, was well, uh, friend Katie, Katie Basin. Okay, yeah. So, um, I don't know how I did not tell her the story when, um, when she was in town, uh, last week because we were reminiscing about a whole bunch of college shit, and well. There was a once upon a time where uh, me and my uh, me and my ex girlfriend Megan had just started dating, and um, we had a little bet that we made with each other on the uh, college football uh, championship that year. Okay. So I think that year was between LSU and Bama, and I don't know fucking jack shit about football, <laughs> much less like college football. <laughs> like funny. I only ever keep up with like the Spurs, and that's it. You know, yeah, and that's yeah, basketball. Yeah. So. Um, you know, whatever. Like, I had no clue that Alabama was holding this, you know, dynasty <laughs> in the palm of their hands. <laughs> yeah. And so I made the bet that LSU would win, and she made the bet that Bama would win. And so my end of the bargain was um, that I had to go to the to the most popular gay club in town in Nashville, which is Play, <laughs> and I had to enter in what they called the Hot College Body Contest. So wow. yeah, so I had to get a, I had to get up on stage with like eighteen other dudes. And then they're like, first things first, boys, you got to take off your shirts and whatever. So it's like, and I'm like, anyone who doesn't know what I'm look like, I'm, <laughs> I, I weigh like 143, like, was, like yeah. 145 on a good day. <laughs> and um, I, I'm like five foot eight, like five foot nine with boots on, uh, which I usually do have on. And, and, you know, and I'm scrawny as shit. Like, I don't, I don't go to the gym. I don't do nothing for this, <laughs> for this temple, man. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just here. <laughs> and, uh, anyway. So um, there's scrawny ass Hispanic kid on stage at a gay club in Nashville with a shirt off with like 17 other dudes, and then we all have to like do like dances and stuff, and they put on music and we have to dance. And I actually got like a strong second place. Wow. Like yeah, they nice. they uh, I think they like narrowed it down to like five people, and then so I was in the remaining five, and then they did a, like an applause meter kind of thing, <laughs> like you know by round of applause, you know who right. won. And I got second place. Like I'm the yeah, way you set that up. Second. That sounds surprising. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, not to play like this is an odd way to play the race card, but I think it was because yeah, they wanted diversity in there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or they just thought you were you were spicy, you were uh, exotic. Stop it. You think so? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm saying they probably thought so. <laughs> I know. <I'm> just <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's cool. Um, I don't know what it is with um. I don't know how you how you guys are around um uh you know around um gay guys or or you know gay girls or whatever but like it's never really like uh, made me queasy. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I know like some guys get like really like awkward around yeah. gay people. I guess you know um some of them tend to be kind of touchy feely sometimes or whatever, and that makes some straight guys feel very you know just uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And I just I, I don't really care. 
like you know, and just them, just whatever. They're just people to me. So, right. um, you know, I've got family that's uh, that's homosexual. I've got a lot of friends that are homosexual. It's just whatever to me. But I was getting like a whole bunch of like hugs and compliments and afterwards, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> just a comment, like I think. I think when you get a compliment from from a gay guy, if a gay guy thinks you're attractive, I always think like that's a compliment, because I don't know, I don't I don't know, I'm not trying to be like I'm not trying to discriminate or be stereotypical, but don't they usually have higher like expectations? Expectations, yeah. So that's that's what the word. That's is. That's what I hear. So right, that's, right. I take it as a compliment. And I don't really for, uh, for just for me just to close it out before we get back to Eddie, uh, I don't really know anybody. Uh, I've ha- I I think I have also maybe a family member or two also that you know. They're homosexual, but for me, it's also a very neutral thing. Cause for me, in my case, I just have never gone. I mean, right. you know, communicated with any. So it, it's really, I don't have that experience. I don't have that, you know, communications. Ah, uh, touchy subject. Um, so there was, uh, I forget where in Texas, but the seventeen-year-old um, girl who is undergoing transgender surgery um, to become a boy. Mm. Um, she was trying to compete in the um, in the boys uh, category for UIL wrestling for state of Texas UIL wrestling, and so they denied her that, and so she had to compete in the girls, um, which is her you know uh, uh, I guess you know that's that's what she was born she's born a girl so they said you know you got to compete in the in the girls so she won state which is badass that's cool, um, she was also though just taking like you know obviously having the uh, I guess the procedure's done and whatnot, so she's on a very high level of testosterone. Right. And that's just such a head-scratcher for me. I'm still, like, trying to wrap my whole mind around it. I'm not trying to be, like, I guess, like, holding any prejudices or whatever, and I don't want to, you know, offend anybody who thinks one way or the other. I'm still trying to just kind of make up my own mind and wrap my head around it. But the thing I can't escape from is that she was taking doses of testosterone. How would she be allowed to compete in the first place? That's like my major thing, right? Cause, I mean, because it's, it's basically a performance enhancement, enha- right? Like yeah, yeah. Enha- to a female, it is because it's gonna make her, you know. Well, to males gonna, too, not even just. Well, the, right, right. You know? But for her competing with other females, like it's gonna make her a little stronger than the rest. Yeah. So. That's nice. Yeah, the, uh, the the second you said that, you know, she was, she's she's obviously going through. I don't know about you know surgically, but she's obviously going through the transition. Yeah, the, the but still she's physical forced, transformation. Yeah, but she's forced to compete with other girls. Like, um, well, you know, if there is nothing in the rules that says you know doses of testosterone are not allowed, then you know they kind of. I don't see why anybody would anybody at least that denied her the right to to compete with the boys, why they would complain. You know, like right. it, it's kind of like. You know she's going through the transition. She must be taking testosterone, or she should have been tested for something like that. Well, I, I think that was the background of the story that um, that she, they admittedly, I mean, she had a lawyer and all this stuff, and and she has representation. And they, I'm pretty sure I read this correctly when that they were just admitting that yeah, like she's undergoing the 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 transformation surgery or right. whatever is required, the procedures to, you know, help her transition into um into being a man, I guess. But, yeah. Man. And I know, like people listening, some might get a little picky about. No, no, it's you can't call her a she; it's a he. And it's like just for the sake of you know staying on the same you know right. uh, flow of consistency for the story. Not trying to you know offend any anybody here, just for the sake of the of the understanding of the story. Because with the terms and and the switching, it gets kind of confusing. Right. And well, I'm gonna bring up Neil uh, deGrasse Tyson real quick. 
just because he uh, one of the points he makes at some at towards the beginning of the podcast where he was on with Joe Rogan this past I guess maybe a week ago, but he talks about like living in a free country. You can't take away someone else's opinion as long as it doesn't harm others. You know, like like right. you know, it's and that that that's all I'm gonna say for this. It's like we were saying about correct political correctness. It's like okay, did it offend? Like, he's not mean to offend anyone. We're just keeping the story consistent. So I'm just gonna. Just to have some backbone to this, because I feel people jump on that stuff way too quick. It's like, really, like, I'm come I'm, on. I'm so positive there's somebody out there <laughs> listening right now that's just like, oh no, you can't. I'll do never that. listen to this podcast yeah, again. <laughs> that's fine. Go ahead. Thank do your you. Thing. Thank you for listening up to this point. Right, <laughs> but um, anyway, man, yeah, people are just so quick to call out those little things like that, and it's like, no, I don't want to offend anyone. I'm just for this for the sake of the consistency. But going back to what you just said, you can have your opinion and you can do your thing and. And well, you should be allowed to live your life the way you want to, so long as you're not causing harm to others. And in this case, um, in my humble opinion, and it's totally cool for people to disagree with me, I think in this case, for this girl that's trying to trans, uh, uh, you know, have her transgender surgery into becoming a man, um, you know, like she may not be harming others, like you know, in the sense of you know, she's like slitting someone's throat or something violent yeah, actual, or whatever. Like actual you know, physical, like, actual like, physical, yeah. yeah. Something that's um, but she is causing harm to others in the sense of, you know, she's, um, you know, like just intruding in their life in some way. Right. You know what I mean? Like she's, um, whatchamacallit, there's just like some kind of like special position granted to that. Right. That's okay, unfair to others. Because if it was opposite, the dichotomy of that, if it was someone else like making comments to her, they'd be all over it. But yet, her opinion is more valid than somebody else's, or what you know, or these people defending you know, anything, anything like that. Um, I do agree. Where it's like, if it were the other way around, like where she was getting like flack for it, uh, and, she, and she probably is, but those people will be looked down upon way more than the people like defending her. Yeah, and it'd be, it'd be oh, it's unhumane. It's like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> calm down with the humane word. Come on, calm down with. I'm like, look up, look up the term humility. And being humane, you're just in the, you're just as in the wrong as anybody else. Yeah, so when that's people the are like, sweet oh, it, irony. yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm be humane, be you know, and for most people, it's not even they don't even try to be a good human being anymore. They they use these terms very loosely, and it's getting worse and worse. I I think it's getting worse and worse. And so yeah, like oh, you know, it's be, yeah, look look up humility. Hey, go ahead. Well, as you can say for. To clarity, I think being humane and humility are two different things. Okay, continue. No, oh, well, yeah, they're like, like <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I don't, I'm, I don't know specifically what, um, you know, having humility is. To me, it's kind of related to humbleness. Right, right, but right. But being that's, humane yeah. is just being kind of like, um, how do I say? It? It's like the right thing for like the the human race. Like, unlike, you know, like when they say, um inhumane treatment of like animals and stuff like that like there's no real sympathy for them okay does that make yeah. sense yeah 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 well i i think um uh i think what what andy here is trying to was trying to say like have some humility to realize that it goes both ways and that um you know one way or the other it's not very uh, maybe not humane but it's not just uh, like fair it's kind of the same thing when when liberals cry out like um like ah oh, like like, you can't do this. Like, we have to have, like, free speech and, and this and that and this and that. But really what they're trying to say is if your opinion doesn't match mine, then I don't want to hear it. Right? 
Thank so you. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. To kind of tie that, it in? That better, yeah. That, okay. That's way better. Thank you, Eddie. Yeah. It's, it just goes, but it goes back to that example. Mm-hmm. Is it is now okay? If you're if you have this opinion and you have people, you have a team behind you backing you up. Okay, good. Fine. That that's your freedom of speech. Right. That doesn't hurt anybody. But because, like Eddie said, and corrected me, when that when you flip it, oh. All, the media's all over that stuff right now because that's that's what attracts the majority right now. Right, gets the, the ratings popular up. opinion. Yeah, popular, and th- that's why I don't watch the news. <laughs> it's like it's it's too it's too much for me, mm-hmm. and it's only gotten worse. Um, but there's always gonna be a side that gets more attention or more more sympathy. Right, right, and I guess that's why that's it's why it's not just, always gonna be even. Right, that's but but uh, for me, that's also why I probably just avoid the whole thing altogether. Mm-hmm. I just I'm not worried about it. Even Eddie, la- last night on the way back, the ride back, you made a comment saying that you haven't watched the news in a while or like in a week or something. And I was like, "How do you feel?" And you're like, "Pretty awesome." <laughs> yeah, I I haven't watched it in a couple of weeks. And um I used to watch it every day, like CNN mostly. Um, just because, I mean, they're still kind of biased, but they're not nearly as biased as MSNBC or um, um, Fox News, which is a joke. And um, sorry, not that I disagree with um, everything they're saying or not that I agree with everything they say. They just have a, an obvious biased agenda as to what they do. Yeah. So I tend not to not to listen to that too much. But um, anyway, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen a news program in two weeks, and it's just amazing. I may be kind of out of touch with the world, but I feel great about being out of touch I'm with the world. I'm telling you, man, I'm, that's the first step. It's the first step. Yeah. And for I, I mean, for me, it's 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 important. I mean, it's important to keep up with the news. But now it, it seems like you can't even do that because there is an agenda for the most part everywhere. Because they know that if they can get you on their side, their ratings are going to go up. They have more people doing their. They have more people clicking. They have more people on YouTube, TV. You know, the actual t- television, internet, whatever. Facebook now. You know, oh CNN this and local news this, local news that. Well, and even I feel like we don't have any like great reporters or journalists anymore. Like they may be out there, but they're just kind of hiding, or they're being masked by anyone that just starts a blog. You know, so. I was having this conversation with this uh, guy who came up and bought a, a koozie at my merch booth after mm. the show on Friday, after the concert at uh, Fiesta Edinburgh. Mm. So funny because he didn't catch the show. He just needed a koozie. So <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> appreciate your support. Um, and I genuinely mean that. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I genuinely appreciate the support because that's money back to my bank. So that <laughs> helps yeah. me continue doing what I like to do. So thank you, sir. I'm glad I could make something to... Um, Keep your hands warm from your cold beer. <laughs> anyway, but he was telling me that he uh, has a degree in journalism from Rice University. He's like, oh, that's, that's fucking rad. Like, that's awesome. And I was telling him, you know, I watched this interview the, the earlier that day with um, uh, Ryan Adams, who's one of my favorite all-time artists and singer-songwriters. And I heard about Ryan Adams because he was the front man of Whiskey Town, which is one of my favorite bands. Um, all country bands specifically. Um, one of their songs we play prominently a show is called 16 Days. And, um, you know, so I was watching this Ryan Adams interview, and he's supposed to be talking about the new album, um, but the reporter who was from, I want to say the UK or from Australia or New Zealand, um, one of those three, was so well researched uh, researched about <laughs> um, about Ryan and his career. And so he was really probing into Ryan's past and kind of his demons, and he kind of brought Ryan out to talk, you know, talk a little bit about that. And even Ryan was kind of caught a little bit off guard because he was like, "Wow, like no one ever like really asks me that." So yeah. that's kind of cool and different, whatever. Very. 
And so I was just thinking the whole time. It's about a 30-minute interview, and I was just like, wow, like this reporter is just so well-researched about his interviewee. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he yeah. just really knows Ryan like forwards and backwards, and he and more so than his catalog of albums, he knows the story behind the albums, and he knows like when to probe into the right feelings, into the emotions to get Ryan to talk about like a what's important and you know then why it's important and then he and then Ryan just goes off and ties that into like these really deep life lessons that were just like so cool it's yeah. just nuggets man golden nuggets awesome. like he got him to talk about his grandma right like yeah he asked about a song and was like oh that's about your grandma right he's like yeah. yeah and he goes on to talk about his grandma and like his experiences with her and stuff like that yeah yeah, and it's is a really neat interview. And I was just kind of thinking, like, why why do we not have media like that anymore? It's just all, it seems like it's just all bullshit now. And I'm sure there's there's something great um, here in this country that, uh, as far as journalism goes, that I just haven't discovered yet. But everything's just either A, biased, or B, full of shit, or just, you know, C, just, just not bogus. good. Yeah, you just, know? it's just bogus material half the time. That's That goes with it. also the change of the internet and what, that dopamine rush gets when you get a thousand likes on something and when businesses realize, Hey, we can, we can use this to make more money. And that, to me, that goes back to the greed that in the end is not going to win. You know, well, greed never wins. I mean, look at the, uh, talking about economy now, like the 2008 crash, Mm -hmm. the, I don't know if anyone went and watched The Big Short. Brian, I'm sure you oh, must have yeah, seen that movie. We talked about that. What a great movie. And I remember the sweet irony of when I went to go see that movie was that everyone was packed in the theater for the for the new Marvel movie. I think it was like <laughs> Captain America or, or one of those, or I don't know what, but it was a new Marvel movie sensation. And me and my brother Justin were the only ones in the theater for The Big Short. <laughs> and the movie had just come out like the day before. Mm. Wow. And and I remember getting through with the movie, and I was just like, the irony of all this is that we're supposed to be learning from it, and we're the only two people in this theater, and everyone else is just staying complacent with, you know, with the distraction in the other theater. Yep. You I, know? I do agree. Um, that's an interesting observation that I've kind of had, is that the change that's going to come in the next 15, 20 years, like... From us, because like I said, you guys were the only two in that theater versus like everybody else, which is basically everybody older, a lot of people, a lot of people older than us taking their kids. Of course, they have their kids, but also a lot of older people just going in general, right? Being distracted from the truth or at least a good chunk of what, what happened that day or that in that time period. Um, just going on the film, I mean, we learned from watching the film that this, you know, structure that these banks had made for these loans um, you know, this that led to the collapse. It had been going on since, like, what, like the 70s? 70s or 80s, Brian? Do you remember? I don't remember specifically. It, it's one of those two it, decades. It so, I mean, it's a while back. It's right. like 30 to 40 years ago, right? Yeah. Which is funny because then people try to be like, oh, like, Obama inherited Bush's shitty economy. It's like, well, <laughs> it's, like, it's not Bush's fault that this happened. Um, like that I know way, of. Way it's a long yeah, time yeah. coming. It's a long time coming. It may be the other Bush's fault, but... <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I don't. I don't really think it's like any president's fault because this really started at the at, you know, at the bankers it was level. Just a it wasn't. Up of yeah. Kind of bad decisions over yeah. this entire time. Exactly, and uh, it was just a buildup of bad decisions and greedy people 
And eventually, just like, um, I was going to say Michael Scott, because that's the character he plays in The <laughs> Office. But um, Steve Carell, um, the character he plays, um, that's what he like is saying. He, that's what he's saying throughout the whole movie. He's like, eventually, greed will run out and, or not run out, but like it'll, you know, it'll run you short and, and you're going to lose. Like if you're greedy, you're going to lose. It's going to catch up to you. Right. And it, I've never seen that not be true. Like, that's always true, and no matter what, it doesn't have to be the economy. I've seen it, like, in music or, you know, with, like, lottery tickets or, you know, whatever. Um, You know, it could be really with anything, but it's going to catch up to you, and it's going to bite you in the ass hard. And it was supposed to bite them in the ass hard until the government was like, well, you're too big to fail, so we're just going to give you money that actually belongs to these people that didn't do anything. So it's just a whole bunch of bullshit. Well, a lot of people did kind of, I guess, personally. You know, the banks didn't yeah. quite fail, but a lot of other people that um, were kind of greedy about it and and um, just kind of kept feeding this monster, like, they did, did end up losing. I heard a story about a, um, some, like, big-time investor involved in that that is now, like, a waiter at a pancake house or, like, Waffle House or something like that. So I think a lot of some people personally did fail, but the organizations... In general, you know, they're still up there. Well, well, because of the government, though, for the most yeah. part, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, AIG failed, right? Like, they were one of the ones that just, just gone. Yeah, I think... Uh, Bankrupt. And um, then what else? Um, uh, the uh, one with the bull. Um, uh, come on, you should know Morgan, this. Mar- Morgan's... Not Morgan. Uh, no, it's... Uh, Damn it. It's not, not sta- Why'd Stanley you put me Stanley in the spot? <laughs> Merrill Lynch. Merrill there you go, Lynch. Merrill Lynch. With another one of that Lehman Brothers. Lehman Brothers, that was yeah. a big one. Big yeah. One. Anyway, but like people just. <sighs> yeah, and I guess the. <laughs> Wake up. I don't, know, I don't know if this was on purpose, but the theme of this episode kind of seems to be give more in value than you receive in payment. Like, don't be greedy. Don't, don't do something. Don't, you know, whatever it is that you do, if it's a you know, a business idea, if it's just progressing in your own career, right. going up the corporate ladder, don't be so greedy about it. Otherwise, it's just going to cave in and you're it's going to give in and you're not going to get anywhere that you wish you were going. Yeah. What I will tie that, that into is where you, Brian, talk about the value of time. <laughs> so that's why, I, and that ties in for me is like, I, I enjoy giving my time to help others. I really do. And like I said, the way I've thought about when I play music and I've had these shows is hopefully for that for those three hours or that one hour, like Josh Turner, that one hour that, we ha- that we're on stage, I'm, I'm able to give a piece of myself to those people who maybe had a bad day and they're here and maybe ah, you know, they, they just haven't had the best day or the best week, but they're here on Friday. I'm here to jam. I'm here to have... I'm, well, and it, it's 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 crazy thing because... I'm having a great time anyway. Like I have like genuine fulfillment of being able to play music. Now, adding the point of giving value to uh, giving more to others and time. You know, like when you work for somebody, you give you're giving them your time. As soon as you clock in, you are on that business's time. You are not on your time. And and that's what I tied into. So, being greedy, I think you can be greedy with your time. In choosing where you want to use it. Now, don't be wasteful. Don't be, don't use it, you know, don't take it for granted, obviously. Obviously, I mean, you don't want to take time for granted. Mm-hmm. Same thing with 
in the sense of money is is that you know don't be greedy with your money because then you're gonna lose it and it's gonna be gone and that's it it's so cra- I don't know to me that that's that's just a little perspective but it's just so crazy how that ties in greed value time and money you know all those things all those elements and the basis of this episode um, of using all of it wisely and throwing greed out the window don't be greedy with your time don't be greedy with your money um it's for i don't know i just every time i just enter a new room or every time i enter a room that i'm like let's, let's just say nine round or with eddie from my seat it's hard now for me honestly to not give what whatever i do have because in my subconscious or my or even in my conscious just me thinking to myself I'm like, okay, could I have done more? And if, and if if I know I left something out, then why did I leave that out? Like, no, don't do that. Um, one example I'll give for nine round is when I, uh, this past week, I, I this was in my head. So it was really slow, so I was able to get a lot of reading done. But when I had customers, I could either do the bare minimum and just let them go through the circuit, or I could do pad work for an extent. You know, I can do pad work way longer. So this also helps them develop, you know, just their technique. So it, it literally took me like a few minutes to like argue with myself. Okay, what do I want? Do I, what do I want to do now? I was halfway through this book, so I'm like, no, dumbass, get like give more value because you're on nine rounds time anyways. Like you're not on your time. You're not here to decide. It's not your decision as an employee to decide. Oh, um, I I'm just gonna do the bare minimum. No, no. Now, if you're thinking that, then quit the job and go do something. You're gonna give your whole time. Now, imagine how much better you're gonna feel every day doing something you like. Or love, which it should be love, but um, I'm just saying like, just leave a general term, you know, something that you appreciate, something that you want to do, whether it's art, whether it's business, whether it's health, medicine, I mean, anything. Um, that's what I also, that's what I tie in all that stuff into with telling in time, adding time as a variable and not being greedy with your time. Now, solitude's good. Brian likes his solitude, but he also works his, his eight to five, sometimes 12 days straight. When it calls for it, Eddie, he finishes a gig, he goes home and writes a song. Solitude is good. But if you're deciding to be on someone else's clock, in this case a business, see what you can give to them. And I feel like what's happened for me is my relationships have gone way stronger with just everybody. Because I take that into consideration as far as like, okay, what am I going to be to this person? You know how how can how can I affect this person when I'm interacting with them? One uh, one example I'll, let you, I'll I'll get back to you guys right now. But today I had a church meeting, and it went well, but it got very deep for me, and it it, it, was, it just it left me thinking, it left me in a mood. And then, literally, as soon as Brian got in the car, he was he was joyous. He had just come up. He just he had just stumbled upon a business idea. I was like, thank God, because I was just I wasn't in a in a I was in a fine mindset, but. It wasn't a great mindset to then lead to the podcast recording. So when he jumped in, he was just like they said, he was just kind of boisterous and just loud. I'm like, oh, th- I, for me, it was just a relief because I needed to hear loud. I needed something loud. I needed something positive to listen to. The stuff in the church, it, it was positive, but like I said, it, le- it just left me in a, in a thinking mood. It left me in my head, inside my head. You know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, getting too far into my head is like okay, and then telling that into value and everything. Uh, in the end, Brian coming into the and he told me his business idea and, and I was and 
first thing I was thinking of getting him to Brian's house, like, oh man, I'm just gonna, I need to tell Brian like what happened, whatever. And he came in, like, I didn't have a chance to speak, and that was like the that's the best thing that could have happened in that moment for me. That's the best thing that could happen in that you moment. You didn't have a chance to speak because I was so ecstatic about my idea. Yeah. And I, I hadn't told anybody because I'm real, like, I'm, I'm real reserved about stuff like that. Well, it's like anyway's business. It's like anyway's With his song, yeah. yeah. So I don't want to tell everybody. So I had just been in my, in my, um, at my desk at home and just kind of like researching and stuff. So when I came up with this, I was like, crap, like, oh, I, like, I, I need to move on, move forward with this. But I hadn't told anybody about it. So. As soon as Andy picked me up, I was like, bro, I got this. He literally <laughs> said that. He's like, bro, guess what? I was like, what? Tell, tell me every." I was, in that moment, I was like, tell me what you got. Let me tell me what you got. Yeah. Cause just just get me out of here. You know, get me out of here, out of myself, you know, for this moment. And and from there, we, we did some some good uh, thrifting and stuff. So it's be, oh, be man, pretty cool. Oh, man, so good. <laughs> One of the – just uh, I just want to share this. So I won um, – for a while, I had been wanting to find, like, a vintage designer tie. And it finally happened today. Now, don't okay, don't say what you paid for it, but how much is it worth? Oh man, I think I in my 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 small research I saw that it was worth like fifty to sixty dollars, and yeah, I paid nowhere near that. <laughs> yeah, not to deviate from your subject too much. We can move too we much. Can move. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Me and uh, Justin were joking about this, you know, like in that Adam Sandler, Kevin James movie, the the dollars, doll hairs, doll hairs, or whatever. Like, I forget which one it is that they did together. I think it's I pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Mm. Yeah, but some guy keeps saying like doll hairs, or it sounds like he's saying doll hairs instead of dollars. Right. But he means to say dollars. And so like we were making that joke, and Justin was like, "What if our currency was actually <laughs> doll hairs?" <laughs> And uh, I was like, then Barbies would be fucking gold, man. <laughs> <laughs> they would be. They would be, though. They would yeah. be. Like, that's the thing. That's the cool thing about, like, when you play scenarios like that. I, I feel like that we can tell into something else. Like, being too literal all the time. Being too serious all the time. Now, it's not, I'm not saying not. To, I'm a very serious guy for the most part. <laughs> I feel like 95% of the time I'm very serious. Until, like, something absolutely cracks me the hell up. And I just, then I won't stop laughing. Um, but, okay, if doll hair is, like, something like that. Why not play that scenario? Like that—that'd be insane because that—that would change so many variables. That would change so many things that the way we live now. And why not? You know, why not? Th- just think about it. We're not saying that's gonna happen. We're just have fun with that scenario. Yeah. And which ones would be worth more? Like the the, the blonde <laughs> ones, or the brunette ones, the redhead ones. You know, the curly ones. The curly ones, the straight ones. Oh man, this actually happened, but mm-hmm. like in Greece. Well, not the doll hair thing, <laughs> but in Greece, people started making up their own currency because that's how much their currency had like devalued well, or something well, like that. Well, they went through like a heavy depression, like right? Like, yeah, I, I like, honestly like, don't remember the... six or something? I don't know. I don't no, know. It was, I think it was a little more recent than that, but I don't remember was it, like, all the was details. Was it a depression? It was... So I can know what to look up. <clears throat> Just look up like Greek depression. No, you're going to get a bunch of like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, health Greek issues. tragedies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it. Um, no, I don't. I don't remember. Just type in like Greek economy or Greek economic fallout or something. There was something really. I totally forgot the details of it, but something really crazy that people started like drawing and you know creating their own currency because that's how much their own currency had devaluated. And um, good for them. Yeah. Figure so they were out. and they were they were trading goods like you know back in the day. Harder. Yes, because their currency was crap. Good. Good for them. Figure it out. 
make it work, make it happen, life moves on, yeah. no whining. Um, it makes me wonder if uh, how many people over there are going to get into Bitcoin then. Have you gotten into Bitcoin, Brian? No. I think I've, I've, I, I haven't done my research, and it hasn't really, um, I haven't been forced into it, so I'm just kind of, I let it be. I'll send you the um, Joe Rogan um, Experience podcast link with the guy who is, I guess, maybe not one of the founders, but he's, uh, he's like high up in the Bitcoin mm-hmm. business, I guess, if they're even a business. Are they a business? Is Bitcoin technically a business? Honestly, I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know how to answer that. I don't know. It's an online currency. Yeah, and which is interesting. Yeah, I know there's got to be a lot of encryption done behind it. So you know, to make sure that the the money is secure, that that's, the transactions are secure. Yeah, that's one of the major concerns right now is the security of it. Mm-hmm. And um, but its value is up there, dude. Like a um, hundred. I think it's at a hundred flat right now. I could be wrong at this moment, but last time I looked it up. It was around like a hundred flat, like a hundred U.S. dollars equals one Bitcoin. Wow! So it was wow, up there. Now, now I'm wondering, does it fluctuate like other currencies? Well, it just depends on how much they put out there, um, because you can harvest Bitcoin by selling your, you know, by selling your goods online in exchange for Bitcoin, and then you can change that, that Bitcoin for products you want. So it just kind of depends what the, um, I guess, what you value. What's in stuff. the market? Yeah, and what's in the market, right? So, like, the supply of Bitcoin, the less there are, the more valuable it is. Right. Hmm. So, and I wonder how they control that, being that it's online. Yeah. Like, people could just kind of write the code for more Bitcoin, maybe? I don't know. Man. But there's, like, apps for it, and, like, Target takes it, and, um, like, Amazon takes it, eBay takes it. There's a lot of major um, online realtors. Realtors? Retailers. Retailers. (laughs) Definitely not realtors, <laughs> retailers that um, that accept Bitcoin. Hey, well, any anybody that will allow you to advertise on their website is basically an online realtor. 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 <laughs> well, yeah, because it's space. Like you're, yeah, you're, it's, you're, it's pixels. Right. They're, they're selling you pixels. Damn. That's really what it comes down to, though. They're selling Basically. you pixels. pixels. pixels yeah, space. space on the website, on, on your screen. Same thing like like Amazon and stuff. Like when you're when you're trying to sell stuff, they take a piece because you're you're purchasing shelf space if you want. Yeah. You know, in a, in a sense, it's a it's a virtual shelf space. Well, what I was gonna bring up the the Greek crisis. Mm-hmm. It happened in 2010 to 2015. Damn. I'm I can't read fast enough. Yeah, I was gonna say but I'm I'm probably wrong about the currency thing because I think they're under the euro now. I don't know if they were before, if that's changed, but um, man, I I I know it, I know they were using their own currency. I think it had to do with their economy, like the economy of their country was so bad that they weren't relying on the on the euro, like it was unreliable, right, to use the euro in their in their country. It happened from 2010 to 2015, more or less. I I don't know why I thought it was earlier than that. It wouldn't have made Not sense because I was it, it I wasn't in, like I didn't know about anything because I only remember because of college, and that's what that's what got me. I thought it was. I mean, there it, it makes sense that it happened to, at least post 2010. Yeah, when I guess we were more conscientious, right? About and then take all in the business classes too. By right. this time, you know, take a business like oh wow, like I mean, it just gave a little insight to the fact that you know everybody influences everybody. Uh, and especially the economies, you know, especially with imports and exports and whatnot. Um, 
What did you have on there, Brian? What did you say? It was between more or less like like bonds well, and or they or they they underestimated debt or something. Yeah, they just to the, close the this Greek out. the Greek economy basically undercounted debt, which uh, caused like I guess insecurity in in the government and the currency. Um, how can I put this? I guess they were the the Greek government was in much more debt than they real than they like expressed and they released because mm. they're part of the eurozone so i guess right. they're supposed to um what's the word they're, they're supposed to disclose all this i was gonna say like get release some type of information yeah, about and, what's going and on and apparently they had been giving like false information mm. and undercounted debt so they were much more in debt than they really were and i guess for the people that that created like a sense of uh um what is it like a sense of uh just they distrust. Okay. They distrusted the government, so they started creating their own currency, and uh, they were bartering and stuff like that, because you know they didn't know what the euro was worth in Greece anymore, because mm-hmm. apparently Greece was under all this debt that nobody knew. Yeah, no one knew about. It. Well, interesting enough, because I also found an article that says, uh, I guess early 2010, it was revealed that, go I guess Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and other banks helped them or helped with financial products. That then enabled the governments in Greece and whatnot to. Yeah, because I guess they're. They I guess that maybe also the affected their the debt as well, because it talks about borrowing, like it helped them. Well, with that might have been afterwards, like the they I, those um those financial services companies might be part of the international like monetary fund or whatever. Right. That's where Greece had to borrow money from. Well, here, well, let me let me let me read this. Let me read this whole this whole paragraph. It won't take that long. So, in early 2010, it was revealed that through the assistance of Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, and numerous other banks, financial products were developed, which enabled the governments of Greece, Italy, and many other European countries to hide their borrowing. Dozens of similar agreements were concluded across Europe, whereby banks supplied cash in advance, in exchange for future payments by the governments involved. In turn, the liabilities of the involved countries were kept off the books. Oh, so they were kind of part of hiding mm-hmm. these uh, debts. They were lending money without really documenting, exp- and how expecting the f- payment. Okay, I'm, I I didn't want to cuss. How the fuck does that happen when in 2008 they just fucked everything in the United States? Or like they were a part of like that stuff. Wasn't it like, I mean, J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman seven, Sachs? 7, Like what the fuck? So that just, that just happened. And yet, and now they're part of like mm-hmm. that falling out of a yet, yet quote unquote, another country. Yet another country and it just happens again. What the fuck? Well, they, I mean, these things could have been going on like. Like simultaneously, right? And that's, then the well, effects that's the were one thing. after exactly. The other. Like that's just that's just the way the timeline played out. But now that I'm kind of like now doing this research, luckily I have my laptop, you know, available. But mm-hmm. what the hell? Like, I'm even more upset <laughs> about. I mean, there's nothing I can do. I know, I know, it's gonna go away in about two minutes. Just give me two minutes to calm down. But to tie the two things in together, it's like Jesus Christ. Like, who do you trust when you can't trust the banks? That you didn't trust your money with. <laughs> Honestly, I think I think it's it's man. <laughs> I think it's it's kind of like a popular belief to distrust banks. And now mine just grew. I mean, I was I was okay. Like I'm I'm cool. You know, I mean, I don't have a ton of money. It's all good, whatever. Right. But damn, like that puts less trust into like the people that who you hope to help you. You know, you know they're making money anyways. You know, but mm. you hope that when you go sign an agreement saying, oh yeah, this bank will do this for you. 
And that goes back to just agreement on, you know, just trusting people. And, you know, there's a, there's like a, a, a poll out there that says that millennials are keeping their money out of the banks now. That makes sense. <laughs> New headline, mattress millennials. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, geez. as a generation, we're keeping our money out of the banks, which is interesting. <sighs> and, okay, so, I mean, there's, there's differences between the credit union and the bank. Correct. Basically, or, only the way I mean, they're, they're governed. The, the way, the okay, way the way they're governed. The way they're governed, and like on like for taxes. Okay. Banks are taxed much higher than than credit, credit union. union because okay. credit unions are almost like nonprofit. Everything that they make is basically given back to the members. Okay. And in a bank, you have all these taxes and insurances and things to pay for. Gotcha. So therefore, the money made from the consumer is also used to pay for the expenses of the bank. Including salaries and such. Right, right, and ta- right. Well, mainly taxes. The biggest part of it is that, like, I think banks, depending on the size, I think, um, can be taxed up to, like, 30%. So that's a big chunk of, yeah, the, a lot. of the bottom line. All right. Okay, I, j- I just want a clarification. That's why, that's why I brought it up, really, to get... But yeah, small tip. Rates. If you're looking for a loan with low rates, check out a credit union. If you're looking for CDs with higher interest rates, check out a credit union. I have my money in a credit union. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. I have a line of credit already taken out with uh, Wells Fargo. But I love going to that bank, man. <laughs> yeah, you love going to that branch. <laughs> yeah, well, that branch, yeah. Not the, the bank in general, the, not the headquarters, but I the, never, I never step in to the oh, branches. Oh, man, they have the, um, the cutest girls that work there. Well, for my strictly banking needs, I don't, I don't need to go inside. You know, I basically can do anything on the app or, or at the ATM. And I can too, but it's a lot more fun. <laughs> <than the bank. laughs> what's the okay? I mean, we don't say we don't have to say where where from, but what's the lowest amount you've dis- deposited <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of going inside and depositing? Like fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I can like do that, and they would even like give me shit. Like you know, you can go through the drive-through, and it'll be, <laughs> a, and it'll be a lot faster. It's like yeah, I just like getting down and stretching my legs and. You know, such an old man. <laughs> right? Like you make it seem like you never stretch your legs. <laughs> you need to just give her but now the girls who work there are super cute, and um, well, I mean, I've obviously like been, uh, you know, been going there for a long time, and um, but now, like, I mean, I just kind of like know them now too. Like they're almost like we're almost like just on on a friendship basis. Like right. I, I don't I don't even like care that they're like cute or whatever anymore. Like I'm not really like trying to like. You know, go up to one and be like, "Hey, now you're in the friend you, zone." Me, movie, whatever. You know, yeah. Well, yeah, we're pretty much just in the friend zone. <laughs> but, but they just like know me now, and they just like ask like, "How like how's the music going and shit?" And oh wow. Yeah. So it's just That's yeah, we're cool. just cool. Yeah. Wow. You should hire one of them to be your merch girl. Mm. That's an idea. Mm. Hey, they work at a bank. They have to be able to sell. I um I yes, think about especially Wells Fargo. Oh Sorry. yeah, had to throw that in. No, you're good. I um. I think about merch last, admittedly, when it comes to factoring in um, everything that's going into the show and the setup and the presentation. So when we were setting up for Fiesta Edinburgh, I was like, okay, I have my merch. And then at the last minute before leaving the house, this is why I was kind of running like 10 minutes, 15 minutes late. Um, when I was leaving the house, I was like, oh, shit, like I need to like make a list and do inventory and like set up a bank and like make sure uh, my friend uh, who I had running merch for me like would have some change 
And I was just like, oh, shit. And I was just like getting kind of blindsided by uh, things I did not think about before. So if you don't, you uh, don't anyone wants to come work merch for, for me, um, you're more than welcome to. Because that is one thing I would definitely be interested in designating uh, versus trying to take care of it myself. Uh, Zane Williams hires out per city. Really? Yeah. That's cool. They he, he he'll post his uh his, I don't know if it's his booking or his tour manager, but that whoever's with him on the road, post their email like oh send it send a message to this email and we'll get you hooked up or whatever. That's cool. Um, I I know several bands that did that. I know at City Winery, um, it was usually the openers for the headliners that would have um one of our people from City Winery, one of our workers, um, do the merch booth for them, because uh, they couldn't afford to have someone on the road doing it full time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I know okay. I know Zane does that. They're the ones that I know that for sure do that. A lot of, a lot of other bands that I've met, they I mean they they have their crew and whatnot. So I'll totally pay good. you commission. By the way, if you want to come work merch for me, I'll pay you. Yeah, commission. Eddie. Ed, honestly, talking about greed and stuff, Eddie's not that guy. Eddie's always, and I I, I feel very strongly about, strongly about this as far as Eddie being a fair guy and you know, paying us as the band and you know, make sure his crew is taken care of. That that is part of being a leader is taking care of your people. And that's part of the value of giving back is making sure that your people are taken care of. A lot of people lose sight of that stuff when they get either too too big. And it doesn't have to be music. It can be anything. Any business, any manager can just fall through the crack and be a terrible leader. And we've already talked about that you know, at points, but there's a difference. And so as far as that, yeah, like A is a very fair guy when it comes to, you know, the work that needs to be done. But also, I will say, in defense of Eddie, is we're here to work, and so be prepared, you know, for whatever whatever's asked of you. You know, you are, you will be paid, but also that, you know, there, there are expectations from him and from everybody else. I kind of want to elaborate on this for a second, because I was talking about this with my mom, and um, we're talking about another artist that I know who, um, you know, like, doesn't necessarily use a band all the time, and... Uh, you know, like her manager doesn't really want her using a band because um, it's A, like too expensive for them, and uh, B, it's too expensive for them, and C, it's too expensive for them. So, and and in my mind, I'm just like, ah, like you can't, y you need to get her a band. Like it's, um, you know, it's just like one of the things like it's going to be necessary if, if you're serious about this and you're serious about getting her um, as her manager to the next level, you need to get her players. Um, you know, that's just... That's that's a stone cold fact. I I don't know how you don't have a band and you're playing music. I don't understand it. So continue. Well, I, I, just I, under, continue. I understand when it's someone like Joe Pug, who's a singer songwriter who's very acoustic, or um, Noah Gunderson, who's another singer songwriter who's very acoustic, okay. or if you're like Guy Clark, um, mm -hmm. uh, rest in peace, God rest his soul, uh, my fucking hero of all, biggest fucking hero of all time. Um, you know, or Steve Earle even sometimes, you know. But this is not that kind of situation. This is a situation where this <laughs> artist needs a fucking band. Yes. And it's just, it's an expense, yes, but you make it fucking work. And then you can build on it later. So when me and my mom were talking about this earlier today, um, you know, we had a, a few adventures to, like, to the mall and two Walmarts and an HEB. And it's just, like, a <laughs> That's very... That's a great Sunday, though. Oh, God, it's too much of a Sunday. <laughs> and... Yeah, no sleeping today, Eddie yeah. Science. Get your ass up and get well, moving. Well, I, I don't <laughs> like sleeping in. I've got to get no, I know up. You're good. Yeah, but anyway, um, <laughs> regardless that we got in at 4 a.m. last night. But anyway, um, dude, it, that was better than 5:30. I tell you what, it yeah, made a difference. No kidding. Anyway, back to the subject here. So, when I at first, 
hired a band here in the Valley because I'd used a band in Nashville, and that's that's a different economy, man. That's that's a different thing, and we were still in college, and there's kind of different exceptions for that. So I won't elaborate on that experience too much. Just know that it differs from real life. So um, in real life here, when I had my band for the first time in the Valley, this was for uh, in 2013. I just released my EP that January, and it was the summer. Uh, it was July, and I was finally doing an EP release show here in the Valley. So, hire a band of Valley musicians. This is where I met Denver, who still plays with me now, and um, Andy Gonzalez, who we had on the podcast, who still drums with me now. Okay, um, Other members of the band we don't need to dive into because they've all uh, moved on and they're doing their own um, bigger and grander things. But um, So, Andy and Denver, I'm going to focus on because they're still with me right now. Um, you know, like, I paid the band that night as handsomely as I possibly could have. Um, and, a, and a good amount of it from my own pocket, too. Because we were getting paid a certain amount from the venue, which, looking back, I don't even know how I got paid that much from the venue. <laughs> um, I won't disclose how much, but I cannot believe that I got that much for the first time ever playing there. Thankfully, there was a great crowd there for it, so... Yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> and, uh, right. I kind of, I you know, backed myself up on that one. So... Anyways, um, I had paid the band very handsomely. We had rehearsed a shit ton for just one show. And this wasn't like, you know, we were doing this weekend in, weekend out. Like, this was just a one-time show. So, And it was all, for the most part, original material. So we rehearsed the shit out of these songs for at least a month, like twice a week a month. So these guys did a, a lot of rehearsals unpaid, and then they did the show, which was paid. So I ended up throwing in like an extra hundred bucks, I think, for for each band member for all the you know rehearsal time and and just everything that led up to it. It just felt right in my heart, like what I needed to do. And I, I didn't pay myself for that show. I wasn't in that show for the pay. I was in that show to to do it for my fans in the valley that I had not really played much for. So that was for that, and I paid the band very handsomely that night, and I took care of them well, and it builds this foundation of, of you know trust with payment right so fast forward i'm here in the valley now uh moved back from tennessee um andy gonzalez still drumming for me denver's still playing guitar for me now walker you're playing for me and then jj's playing for uh for me now on bass and like you guys can speak to this like it, if there's ever a situation where um for whatever reason whether it's a new venue and they're taking a chance on us so our payout's a little low like i'll sacrifice my pay pay the band and whatever and and um you know like all those kind of things like establish trust and not so that i can take advantage of it but just because again it just goes back to you know like that's what's best for the situation mm -hmm. and me not being a greedy asshole like i need to take care of the people that take care of me and the circle just keeps on going and the circle keeps on getting bigger, bigger. and more powerful yep. and, and, it, and then the, the circle that's been established the relationships then become stronger and like that gets just, I mean, you get more tight, man. I tell you what, that yesterday on the way to foul, on the way back from foul, we laughed a lot, and I noticed that because we usually we laugh enough. No, yesterday we laughed a ton, but it was good, like obviously good, but it goes back to developing the relationship, which I've brought up in other podcasts, and then right now we're saying about you know just looking out for the for the team. Looking out for the team and making sure everybody's taken care of. 
Yeah, sorry. I totally like. I got so caught up in my story, I forget about what what we were going off of. But just, I mean, just tying it all back, like we were talking about before, with you know, like just don't be greedy because it's gonna fucking catch up to you. And if I was ever like an inch greedy with you guys, I doubt any of you would still be playing for me. I've you know? I've firsthand dealt with stuff like that, and I've I can I'll say I quit, and it's not. I mean, don't be a quitter, but in the circumstances, I'm not saying. The circumstances should be perfect, but there's a difference between uh, humility being. I'm not even saying being grateful. I'm saying just being honest. There's a difference between be, like just plain out lying, and all that. I mean, all the negative aspects of that that associate with lying, and being deceived. I've dealt with that. So, from my perspective, I've dealt with that already. I won't deal with it again. That's why I don't work in what I used to work with, whether it's retail, whether it's other bands that I've played with in the past. I've I made I make those conscious decisions because I've gone through that, and it's not fun driving a hundred miles for a free gig and driving back home. And and that's where I feel like I hope if I give all my value, if I know I gave my hundred percent, then you know everything will fall. Sometimes it doesn't. Fine, I'll deal with it, but I probably won't work for you again. That's just the way. That's just the way I negotiate my business and as an individual, and it, everything's been fine now with Eddie. We've been playing over over a year now. We're going on two years uh, that we've been playing. So I mean, it's 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 all good. I mean, from my perspective now, it's all good. And but also, you have to go through those to know what you want, where you want to go, and now make full conscious decisions. Now that's what, that's what I do. Make full making full fully conscious decisions at the moment. Man, that's something I'll admittedly like still need to work on, like making conscious decisions or just kind of being more, um, I guess, like in charge of things. Sure. I guess, like when we were sound checking at Fiesta Edinburgh, like you know, they uh, the production company was kind of seemingly trying to go a little bit out of order, and then I was just kind of there, like scratching my head, like, uh, excuse <laughs> yeah. me. Like you know, it made when, no sense for those five minutes. What the yeah? Fuck it going just on? I it just kind of baffled me, and I really didn't have like much of a clue what to do because it just baffled me so much. I mean, like I, I I had a clue of what to do. Like obviously go over there and be like, um, excuse me, no, we're next to sound check, so stop. But um, but you know, like it took Denver to kind of like snap at me, um, not like aggressively, but he was just like, hey, no, 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 like go tell him to you know, like hey, no, yeah. like wait, like it's not. There's a, there's an order here. <laughs> there's a, yeah. There's a there's a there's a way to do things. Like Jesus, and it's not being rude. It's like no. It's it's every band looking after the next band, and that I know that rarely happens now. But um, still, there's that etiquette that that is, that's the way things. It's not that that's the way things are already always been done. It's the right thing to do anyways. Whether it's the first time or the last time, it's the right the way things should be done anyways. And being humble and you know just waiting. You know. You know, it's four bands. Okay, you go, you go in reverse in reverse order from headliner to supporting acts, and then you go, in, you follow that order, and then you go continue. Yeah, no, it's just uh, like you were saying. You know, just being conscious in the in the moments and stuff, and being in control because you're conscious of what's yeah. going on. And uh, that's something that I still kind of catch myself um, going back and forth with. Some, yeah, some days it's really good, but other days it's, I'm just kind of sitting there like, wow, I'm just really fucking baffled. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that's a head scratcher. Mm-hmm. But Very crazy. I'm good to call it there if you guys are. I feel like we still hit some good topics. I 
we we got deep enough. I think we we had it. We hit our strike. I think we hit our strike pretty early too. We were like at the I mean I don't know like forty five minute mark or so. When we we can it. give you a break and the listeners a break. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's another thing. We have been going. You know, two and a half hours, which you know I I try to do my best to put them together. You know, compile the recording together and you know give it get it going. But um, for everyone listening, thanks for listening, making it to the the two hour mark um, when this gets released on a on a Sunday. Might be a little bit less, but we're at two hours right now. Anyways. See what value you can bring to somebody else. Even if it's just one person. See if it's the person that you're clo- if it's the if it's the person that you talk to every day, how can you bring more value to them? How can you give them more value? Work with it. Play some scenarios, mess with it, mess with the idea and do it. And I'll bet you you'll see it return back to you tenfold. <laughs>